Welcome to Scale School, my friends. I'm Dan Bolton, and my purpose here is simple. I wanna help you increase the scalability of your coaching or consulting business so as it gets bigger, life gets better. Here we will be talking everything from getting clients, keeping clients, teams, leadership, but most importantly, making scaling simple and fun again. Thanks so much for tuning in and I hope you get a ton out of today's episode. Took me seven months to get my first 100K month, right. which is a huge pain. Yeah. Do you think it's easier or harder to get to 100K month now? I think the opportunity's never been better for someone with skills. James Camp, the savant the jacked barley consultant. Talk to me about kind of how tone plays into standing out online. Your online content and your personality, they're the same thing. Right. My online content and my personality, they're pretty much the same thing. Because I know you, I can finally see you. As humans, we're desperate to connect with people and we're desperate to truly see and not be deceived. When you truly just turn up in the way that you want to turn up as, that comes through all these different channels. And if you turn up as yourself, then you can't be competed with. But I have chickens and you don't. That actually makes us different people. We're back with another uh, highly demanded treat. We have James Camp, the savant, the jacked barley consultant. Um, and uh, we're gonna be diving into how to get to 100K months. So whether you're making five, 10, 20, 50, and you wanna get to that mythical seven figures, we're gonna talk about how we have done it, how we would do it differently. And we're gonna break down the offers and the business model. We're gonna talk about funnels. We're gonna talk about team and all the mistakes that hopefully we've made that you can avoid. Um, so welcome back, bro. Thanks, It's man. great to have you here. We Thanks. got some good feedback on our first one. And we've, yeah. we've upped the ante of the production for this oh, one. Oh, just a little bit. I know. Yeah, yeah. Just a little bit. Um, but one of the things I wanna talk about was, well, I guess the main thing is like getting to seven figures, yeah. right? Click funnels is indoctrinated us all, right? Two comma club. You're only one funnel away, right? One funnel away. And so what I want to talk about is, uh, I guess, firstly, how we did it. I think it would be yeah. helpful to talk about what, what did we actually do to get there without going into the full backstory. If anyone wants the full backstory, they can click the link below. There'll yeah. be like the origin story going from, you know, selling, was it cars? Was that the background? Yeah, all of that. Lots of stuff. Um, so just quick recap what mm. year did you get into actual online consulting and then when was your first 100k month so 11 years ago damn dog i know i know you were you were like in your 20s then i was in my nappies you know? <laughs> <laughs> so 11 years ago sold my first like online program yeah and then it took me seven months to get my first 100k month after i went from like in-person consulting to going online okay that's a sexy headline so what were you selling how much was it and how were you getting those clients yeah i had a program called e-commerce engine so um, back then, e-commerce was like pretty damn new and like cobbling together all the different, like how do you optimize your shopping cart? How do you optimize the, the, the page? Um, how do you do Facebook ads? And those kind of things were, were pretty, pretty complicated. Mm. And so e-commerce engine was like, was like actually only in the beginning of when ads were, ads were a thing. And like Google was the, the main channel. So e-commerce engine was started at two and a half grand. So they join, you get a group, a call, and what else just a it was a google drive folder with loads of like how-to stuff in it so our course yeah um and then it went to four and a half k and then it went to 6800 i think 65 68 i don't yep. remember precisely but it was like pay once sell on the phone lifetime access yeah lifetime access yep. group grew and grew and grew yep. ran a call every week yeah kept selling so you got a course doing. you got course modules you've got uh, a facebook group yeah and you've got a community call once a week. Yeah, go to webinar account yep. on there. The classic Sam Ovens model, but was yeah. this pre-Sam Ovens? Like yeah, as ju in, just, okay. Sam, Sam was the one like, 
gave me the, the seed idea of taking the stuff on. I was going, I was doing offline, going online. Yeah. But then later on when I worked with them, it was like, it's too cheap. You need to put the price up. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to note, same with me. I hit my first 100K month, not 11 years ago, in seven months. It took me, uh, first iteration of my business was like everything for everyone. Yeah. I was around 10 to 20K a month yeah. for a year. Relaunched uh, the agency, went from everything to everyone to just working with coaches and consultants, getting more sales calls with yeah. webinars. Went from zero to 100K a month with that in nine months. So you have me beat by two. But I think it's important for people to know that we didn't just hit that and then stay there and everything mm. was nice and dandy. No way. And so can we quickly go on to the peaks and troughs of that? Because I know that you've had uh, different business model changes. Yeah. It's not like you've been selling the kind of course model and things like that for the years. So you go to 100K a month. Yeah. Did you sustain it? How long did you sustain it for? What did that look like? Yeah, so the next iteration was um, people basically said, how are you selling expensive things on the telephone? I want to learn about how to do that. So I had a program called Authority Architecture. So I took the same model and lifted it across to a much more you know, lead gen, B2B. I was just repackaging what I'd used to sell e-commerce engine into a front-end course. And that was 6,800. And then I sold on the phone course group calls yeah. the difference with that was um the i had i started to have a back end so i started to okay you've been around for a while you've hit your goals you're getting leads coming in i've got a mastermind do you want to join and that was called authority elite mm -hmm. so I, I i then graduated from the pain of starting every month at zero right which is a huge pain yeah the, you know, Crimea River kind of pain <laughs> assume people at hundred grand. Well, so just a quick recap. <coughs> yeah. So going back to the price points, you had hundred K a month. I imagine that was like you selling 30 or 40 units of your- Yeah, it was rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Right. Just keep going around. Yeah, yeah. And so starting each month 2500. with zero recurring revenue. Right, okay, You got to cool. keep going. That's oh, you, you had pay plans, but at the prices I was at, most people just paid up. Yeah, yeah, that's the recurring revenue. Yeah, the recurring revenue lasted for a month. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally get it. Yeah, yeah. So that then, you know, I was started to be- sold and indoctrinated on the idea and actually experienced it of getting some element of recurring revenue. So then I went authority elite. And that's when I had my first, like, um, I did 256K, I remember exactly, because I remember it happening when I was like, I'm selling a front end and then I've got a, a back end, which about 50% of the revenue is coming right. recurring. And, and so it was like 2K a month. Do you think, because obviously we've had so many iterations and evolutions to the online space, like just to give us some perspective for anyone who knows kind of the Facebook ads world, what was it costing you to get a call booked to and then to acquire a client? What was that cost? So and when I started e-commerce engine, it cost about a hundred bucks to get a client. Disgusting. New Zealand dollars. Oh my gosh. So we're working in New Zealand pesos. <laughs> Which is like $4 US so, at the time. Hard question, completely subjective. Yeah. Do you think it's easier or harder to get to 100K a month now than it was then? I don't just mean cost to acquire a customer. I mean all the thing. And and I think it's important to qualify, even though you were seven months into yeah. uh, this business, it wasn't like your first rodeo. You'd be, you built skills. There was no way yeah. as yeah. a noob, as a beginner, I was you could doing, have gone. I was doing 40 to 50 grand a month consulting. Perfect. In person. That's like, 100% what I, I want to know. I, yeah. There was a skills transfer. Yeah. So online is a leverage is a leverage piece. Yeah. Not and I, and I think people often mistake it for the distribution. So I'll answer the question. Mm -hmm. But the, I think people mistake it for the internet has given us access to more people, but I think it's just given us a bigger power law in terms of the delivery of those things because it showed when I could do consulting one to one, but the leverage I got from going one to many in a group environment was ridiculous because I to get the 50 grand a month I had to do 20, 30, 40 hours a week of consulting. Right. And I could do the same delivery you know, in three hours. Mm. So 
I think it's easier now to grow faster, but I think less people are able to do it because the barriers to entry are much lower. Right. So I think you can, I think the opportunity's never been better for someone with skills to transfer those online and grow quickly. Mm -hmm. But I think for most people, they don't have the skills that are transferable to achieve, um, you know, a six figure month, you know, out of the gate. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a really easy way to understand this. When I first got Sam Ovens, uh, or really any ads showing up in my newsfeed, let's say five years ago or six years ago before I'd stepped into mm. this space, Sam's messaging was not all the advanced stuff that we know now in terms of unique mechanisms and things like that. He was literally like, I will show you how to get clients online. And that was such like mind blowing, uh, such a mind-blowing claim because no one could make it and so like I could, I could almost recite his 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 vsl headline was how to get 20 to 30 clients a month online with predictability yeah yeah yeah. it was, it was like down to the dollar in the day down to the dollar in the day yeah and so so have you read breakthrough advertising yeah so it talks about the different levels of market sophistication yeah. so if you invented if you if you figured out how to uh teach weight loss yeah the claim is i will help you lose weight and then other people come up with that same claim. And so then you go, I will help you lose 10 pounds in 30 days. And then it goes a level deeper in your atom mechanism. I will help you lose 10 pounds in 30 days using anabolic fasting, whatever it might yeah. be. And that's what the market we've been in has gone through. And so yeah. why it's harder because the barrier entry is lower is there's so many coaches and consultants that can come online and say, I can help you get to 10K a month. I can help you lose 30 pounds. The differentiator is obviously uh, you as the human being, right? It's you mm -hmm. as the niche. 100%. It's your messaging and all of those things. And that's where the complexity comes in, right? Is It's not like the uh, the way that you get to 100K a month has gotten wildly uh, more challenging because you've got to have 37 offers and run TikTok ads and dance on reels and all those no. things. The simplicity is the same from my perspective, yeah. but the difficulty is in the ability to stand out and convert strangers into paying customers if you're playing in the red ocean with everyone else. Yeah, fully. And I think market sophistication as well of like, people think about, if you, if you look at coaching and consulting, we've gone through the early adopter phase. So the people who were the early adopters right. who were going to be coached and consult, they were the easy sales, right? And now we're in kind of the mass and we're, we're going towards the, you know, the middle of the, of the curve. There are more opportunities because more people of different sophistication levels and businesses are coming into the market, but they are harder to sell because there's more aggregate supply in the market for those things. Mm -hmm. So there's more opportunity, but there's also more supply of people who will fulfill that opportunity. Yeah, it's interesting because when I got started five years ago, it was really weird when I talked to like everyday people that I was surrounded by and I said I bought an online course and it's yeah. teaching me how to start a business online it was not even a question of like scam it was like yeah. it didn't even register in people's minds that online education was a real thing and now yeah. I think with the introduction of you've got even even just think about how something like this I can't remember the exact number but you know like Ben Shapiro mm. and he's got the Daily Wire don't call me on the numbers but it's something like he has like a million subscribers a month and they pay tens of dollars, whatever that might be. The idea that you can find your favorite content creator or find a business mm. guru or sign up to masterclass.com, yeah. this is all commonplace now. Yeah. So the average person is having, being able to access education or content behind a paywall yeah. like they never have before. So like people get it. 
Yeah. Right. When you're paying $5 a month or $97 a month or $1,000 for um, content that you can't get anywhere else, that's a common uh, experience now. Yeah. Whereas five years ago, that truly wasn't. Yeah. Like you had to be an early adopter to get it. So there are more people that, like you said, have the. Um, have the awareness that this exists. Sure. And then on the flip side, I mean, I don't know what the numbers would be, but it's felt like at least the industry is like 10 X yeah. in terms of the amount yeah. of coaches and things like that. And so if we were to walk through it and I want to qualify this by saying, we're not saying this is the best way. Obviously we're passionate about what we teach or it's the only way. Yeah. Like, you know, we were talking about someone before who just got 3000 clients, uh, 3000 students paying them $5 a month. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. So yeah. there's a lot of ways to get to 10 K just like there are a lot of ways to get to 100K. But if you're just starting out, let's talk about models and offers. Yeah. Could I just say something about the speed thing? Yeah, please. Because the speed is relative to the position of the, the number of steps they need to take to get to, get to the outcome goal. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you have the skills, then there's one step past that, is packaging the skills so other, another person can benefit from those skills. Mm -hmm. Then there's the packaging of that and the ability to sell those skills to people en masse and then those people to act on the skills and then so it's like steps mm -hmm. but if you're a one-on-one -on -one coach or consultant and you're already working with clients you don't you've you've got you get results mm -hmm. but you haven't packaged it correctly there's only one step which is just packaging it correctly. Yeah. So those people are further down the steps towards the 100K than the people who have just got the skills or in many cases don't have the skills because mm -hmm. they need to get the skill, <laughs> get, get, get results with the skill, package the skill. Yeah. So there's all those steps. Yeah, so the speed is just relative to the number of steps they need to take. Yeah. That's why if someone comes to me and goes, I've got a consulting practice and I'm doing 20 to 40K a month and it's lumpy and it's one-on-one, -on -one, I'm burnt out. I'm like, sweet this is pretty straightforward because it's just a packaging exercise mm -hmm. and putting an offer around it whereas someone's like i've got all these skills i'm not sure which one to focus on i get results over here but i don't get right you you know that there's some filters to go through before they're yeah. going to take those steps because they're five steps away yeah whereas the person who's delivering even one-to-one -one or, or with low leverage is only really one step away and that's a packaging step we can loop back to this but i want to mention this as well there's a huge difference between someone who's been at $10,000 a month for three months and $10,000 a month for two years in terms of their teachability as well. So sure. actually one yeah. of the biggest challenges is- tricks. 100%. So like <laughs> uh, I was, I had a client uh, asking me a few weeks ago who's like in the kind of multiple seven figures profit level and he got there really fast because he had a really decent yeah. sized audience and he was asking me like, uh, what are the biggest things that you find in terms of taking some from like mm. 10K a month mm. to like six figures, seven figures? And I said, well, you need to understand that not all six figures are created equal. Mm. If you, uh, like I, I have an amazing client called Grayson who's 20 and he went from 10K a month to uh, $87,000 cash in like four months, our yep. first 16 weeks yep. working together. It's because everything I told him to do, he did. Yeah, He knew what he didn't know and he was fully teachable. And so that's a really interesting variable is that it's skills, but it's oh, yeah. also your ability to be teachable and coachable and not overthink things. Because if you've been in the game for a while, you might not have made a ton of money, but you have more confidence than maybe you should in areas fully. where you shouldn't have 100%. confidence. This is really, this is really um, relevant to me because someone who's joined me this week is making great revenue, making great money. And he, he was describing himself as a newbie. In our, conversa in our chat conversation. Right. And I'm like, it, it didn't click straight away. But what he was talking about was that he is essentially saying, I'm a newbie because I am 
I don't know what I don't know. Right. And I'm coming in with a clean slate here and I'm going to listen to you. This, this is my goal. I've got all these skills. I'm already making lots of money and those things, but I want a new model. So in his mind, he's coming in with a newbie and that's the, that's the teachable person. Right. That is a coachable person because they're like, listen, nothing's off the table here. Mm-hmm. I've got a goal. I want to do it a certain way. I know you can help me, but I'm a blank slate. Yeah. You know, I've got a beginner's mind. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I like this. Well, the, and this is the meta skill of learning. Mm. Right, like if I have a superpower, Being open to learning. Yeah, yeah. If I have a superpower, it's that I can uh, learn really fast because I know what I'm not good at. Like yeah. I got really brutal feedback from a mentor a few months ago, mm. and I was so grateful for it because I was like, man, if he didn't give me that feedback, I wouldn't have this opportunity to learn. Yeah. But I realized that that's a skill that I've cultivated of going like, well, if my goal is here and I'm here, yeah. there's a whole lot of stuff I don't know that I need to learn and get better at and evolve into yeah. that I think a lot of people struggle with. And so yes, it's skill acquisition, but even if we broke it down, we could take 10 people that all have different levels of openness to learning and we could lay out the plan yeah. and some people will succeed and some people wouldn't. Yeah. And it's not down to the strength of the plan, it's down to the ability to embrace that and learn and be teachable and coachable to actually apply it. Because totally. if you try and put your spin on every, sing- every single thing, I'm a unique snowflake, yeah. right? I'm gonna try and, uh, you know, and I, I love and hate this word alignment, right? <laughs> I'm gonna find that like the model that's aligned to me. And I'm like, I believe that. But when you're getting your first five clients, you're not trying to get the five perfect you clients. You have the right to think yet. <laughs> yeah, well, I was listening to Grant Cardone and um, uh, Hormozzi. It was an old interview that for whatever reason, Hormozzi's pulled off his channel, but it was still exists on the internet oh. somewhere. And Grant was saying, you can't go straight from broke to meaning. You mm. have to make money, mm. right? You can't be trying to like pay the bills and also trying to impact the world. Mm. It doesn't work, you have to. Mm. So anyway, all that it say, things happen in sequence. So if we're talking about the foundational things and let's talk about someone's first offer. Yeah. Because either they're at 10K a month and they only have one offer and it sucks. Yeah. Uh, and it's not scalable or it's not attractive. Yeah. Or you're at 50K a month and you've been in the game for a while and you've got 17 offers. If someone was to come to you and they're going like, I want to get to 100K a month in a way that's profitable, in a way that uh, scales, in a way that I like, but that clients get results, all those kind of things. Yeah. What would be that main offer? Because it might be like, we can get into the multiple offers. Like you might have an offer stack or a hybrid offer to get to 100K a month. But what would be that main offer that you would encourage the average person to build out, to lay that foundation to build a seven-figure business? So the average person, everyone needs momentum, but the average person needs momentum the most. Mm -hmm. And the thing that gets the most momentum in an offer is around the refining the promise Mm -hmm. or refining what gets done. Mm -hmm. What's the outcome of going to be like that? So if you're... If you're selling money, which is you know getting someone to 100k a month, etc., you need to say that's our goal and that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're selling you know time, then or you're selling better life, then you need to be um, exquisitely clear about how you articulate what the outcome is on the other mm-hmm. side. Because as soon as you can inject the frame of what's going to happen when that person with that person over the next weeks, months, maybe year, then your offer becomes a lot easier to buy mm-hmm. because I think we've both said this recently. Most people have enough leads. If you're at if you're at 10k a month, you have enough leads to get to 30k a month. You just need a refinement around the promise and what you're doing. And in many cases, it's refining it down to something, mm-hmm. making small promises that are much easier to keep rather than making bigger and having a, um, like promise inflation. Yep. So I always like look around like what gets done here in the offer. What what are they actually? You know, what are they actually promising? Mm-hmm. You know, literally and metaphorically, you know, in terms of sometimes the literal promise, I will get you there. We can talk about guarantees, um, but I will get you there 
and this is where we're going yeah. and refining that around so it's much more clear so they see a bump in conversions because most people have enough leads and if you get the promise right yeah. then those leads are more likely to convert and it's much more binary well the promise is interesting because i think people often think that the promise is the deliverables mm. right so and they not, conflate it with the guarantee which is not the same thing of course <laughs> so like my first coaching offer was one hour a week for uh, I don't even think I had a minimum. I think it was just like one hour a week and this mm. is the monthly price. And it was, if anyone interested, it was 600 US a month. So it was like $150 per hour. And that was up from like the $13 an hour I was getting paid. I was like, I'm rich, yeah. right? But I had no promise. It kind of worked. I was just like, <laughs> we will meet every week for an yeah. hour and I will teach you these things. And I didn't even have a lovely system. It was more like, oh, you're a real estate agent. I'll like help you get more listings. But again, the emphasis was on the deliverables. And so the best- I would, I would actually argue you did have a promise in my, in my lexicon okay. of promises. Let's, let's talk because about Because you, you were promising time and attention yeah. in, a, in a predictable amount. Yeah. You were saying, I will spend an hour a week with you. Right. Right. So that's a promise. Yeah, of course. It's, it's not a promise to say, I'll spend an hour, hour a week with you and you're going to be a millionaire by- you know, next January. Of course, yeah. But the promise is, is largely defined on what they get. And that's why one-on-one -on -one coaching is easier to sell than group coaching mm -hmm. because the promise is more easier to define. I will spend time with you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's more easier to articulate. So, so help me understand for a second. When you say promise, you're talking about dream outcome or you're talking about like literally the commitment you're making to someone? The commitment you're making to someone. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I was more yeah. thinking coming at from dream outcome. Yeah, so yeah. that totally makes sense. Because yeah. the best metaphor I've heard around that is like the, you don't sell the play trip, you sell the destination. Mm. And mm. as elementary as that sounds, that helps you sell $1,000 programs and $100,000 yes. consulting deals, yeah. right? And so when you think about that dream outcome aspect, mm. How should people be thinking about it, whether it's weight loss, whether it's uh, you know um, anxiety, whether it's money, whether it's um, productivity, when people are trying to figure out, okay, whether it's group or one-to-one, -one, and we'll get to the details in a second, yeah. what are some of the key things that you think people should be considering when it comes to a dream outcome? Let's say they're gonna sell a 90 day, 16 weeks, not a year long, not a multi-year thing, not a one hour consulting deal, but like a three to four month thing. What yeah. should they be thinking about when it comes to dream outcomes? Believability. Because what, an underrated or a misunderstood thing in like the, the high ticket space is a lot of people are trying to convey the authority and the confidence in the person who's delivering it. Whereas in many cases, you need to raise the confidence of the buyer much more than you need to raise the confidence of the seller to actually deliver the result. Right. So smaller, smaller promises are easier to keep. And that's the heuristic I always use with clients of like, Many cases I've seen offers triple in conversion by reducing down the number. The, the reduce down the number. They go from "we'll get you a hundred qualified calls a month" to "we'll get you 10. Yep. because that the person on the other side of it, the ten is much more relative to where they are now when they're only getting two. Right. So a hundred was the thing that didn't convert because it seems like it's in Disneyland. Yeah. Whereas ten feels something achievable. That's actually a great example because I get cold DM'd every day and they're like, "We'll get you a hundred. Eighty to one hundred and twenty seems to be the new number. Yeah, and you're like, the do you do the numbers on these? Like, if you do shop rate, close rate, we sell a five thousand dollars. Sounds awful. You're helping me get to five hundred thousand a month for two dollars fifty a call or some stupid thing. That sounds awful. But but this is a great point because the first time I ever realized this, I had a client called Brian Mark, mm. the, the fitness guy, yeah, he's yeah. An amazing human. Uh, in a sea of helping people get to 10K a month, that was the promise of all his contemporaries. His promise was you're a personal trainer. Yeah. I will help you make two to $5,000 a month as an online fitness coach. Yeah. It worked to the tune of a thousand clients for him, yeah. paying him like, I think it was like three to $400 a month. Yeah. It was a huge lesson for me because 10K, it sounds like the more obvious thing. Like whatever the bigger number is, like if you can confidently say we're gonna get you there, 
then surely the bigger number is the thing that's going to help you make more sales. But he was working with people that primarily made kind of eight hundred to fifteen hundred dollars yeah. a month, yeah. selling their time, burnt out. Yeah. And what he was selling them was the dream of more money. Like in many cases, it was doubling or tripling what they mm. were making but they could have the freedom of making the, uh, the money in their own way mm. on their own time. And it crushed. And that was where I was like, this was maybe three years ago. I was like, I don't know if I understand this promise thing as, as well as I should. Yeah. Yeah. It's the people think the promise is relative to their skills, but it's relative to the market that you're in. Right. It's relative to where the people are similar. Um, David and Craig, who, you know, coach in person, personal trainers in the UK. Again, they tested all this, all these different types of messaging, ten grand a month for, and when you're at a thousand pounds a month, as you, you, you know, your take-home income, ten thousand is like, it's on another planet. Mm -hmm. You're like, in their head, they need to become fundamentally a different person, and that's terrifying. Yeah, four to five, I can see how that happens, and there's people like me, in this in this marketing doing that, mm -hmm. and I believe it. So, whenever I'm looking at offer, I'm like, how easy is this promise to keep by the the practitioner, the person delivering it, yeah. but how how valuable is it to the person relative right now mm -hmm. and to the, the immediate priority? Yeah. Because that's the key is like, is it their current priority or is it a future one? Because getting someone to a million bucks a year who's on you know 10K a month, that's a future priority. Getting them to 20K is a, is a, is a much more pressing current one. So if you, want a, if you want a great offer and, and, and you want conversions now, which you need traction and momentum for, then making a smaller promise that's relative to the market is going to be get you a lot more traction than a than a than a big you know promise which is constantly under inflation. Right. Well, I think about it uh, through the lens of the kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. Right. It's like you you solve the bottom needs and then you move up in the triangle. And so everyone that we work with has survival needs. They have like it's a painkillers, vitamins, and bucket lists. Yeah. Is basically it. Yeah. And so you can talk about something on someone's bucket list, and that they might go a hundred percent. I want that right? But are they willing to pull out the credit card and solve it now? Probably not because it's not the most pressing thing. Yeah. And so an easy, like an th example I think about is in 10 years, bro, I want to say goodbye to commercial flying, right? But I get served up ads and get emails for like private jets all the time. And I'm like, not right now. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah, not yeah, a survival yeah, yeah. need. It's yeah. nice to have. Yeah. And so I think what's really important to think about is everyone has like everyone's perfect fit prospects mm. has that hierarchy yeah painkillers vitamins bucket lists yeah nice and so it's not this consistent thing where it's like uh this is a good one and this is a bad one this is a survival need and this is a, a vitamin every person has those unique things even in different seasons so i remember being burnt out of my mind when we got to 100k a month mm. uh in our agency and I spent weeks reading books on SOPs, team operations. I hired Alex Sharfin to help me like figure out meetings and culture. Yeah. I couldn't have cared less at six figures about that stuff. I didn't even know that was a thing. I, didn't even, <laughs> I literally didn't even know what SOP meant, mm. right? Mm. And so it was just goes to show that through each evolution of my business, the survival needs changed. Yeah. And so I think having a dream outcome that's based on a survival need and is believable, I think is the really important thing. And then making sure that you're not overemphasizing the mechanics, the plane trip, the seat, the air conditioning on the plane, but really majoring on that Maui. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I'd, I'm a big proponent of like a hybrid offer where you're, you're selling once mm -hmm. and you're, you're selling people into multiple tiers, but you're selling them over a long period of time. Yeah. But I still subscribe to the fact of there is a, there is a painkiller in the first eight to 16 weeks of, of the engagement in that offer. Even if you're going to work together for 12 months, yeah. And the dream outcome is is there, 
you're still talking about in, in your lexicon, which I like, is that that painkiller in the next, we're going to remove the biggest pains in your life or your business or your body or whatever it is mm-hmm. over the next eight to 16 weeks. And these are the steps we're going to take. Yeah. Because that's, that's what they're buying into. They're mm-hmm. buying into that immediate relief. They're buying into that what happens now. Yeah. It's great. I'm bought into the, the big thing. Yeah. But they're buying into the immediate relief. That's what they say yes to. That's what they commit to. Yeah. That's what they invest against. And then you got to keep them on the track to get the, the dream outcome. Here's the key. I'd be interested to know what you think on a practical level. So someone's trying to figure out the dream outcome. This is, this is how I do it. Yeah. You can sit there and brainstorm and dream and open up the journal as much as you want. And you might come up with some like cool things. I just go ask people. It's crazy, yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> so it's like, so so what's really important about this is that people can overcomplicate this and go, but what's my what's the dream outcome I should promise? Well, it's like, firstly, you're not the target market. This is not for you, it's That's for them. That's critical, that bit. Right, and so it's not like, what are you most excited about? It's what are they most excited about? Yeah. The, and this is where it comes down to, like, obviously, we didn't talk about it, but you got to find a, a person you're passionate about helping yeah. and build a business around that person rather than having 27 different possible prospects, find yeah. a dream prospect. Yeah. But one of the things I do, this is when I, I'm launching a lead magnet, I'm launching a new offer, I'm trying to find an angle, I'm trying to find a promise, is I literally just ask people. So one of the things that I was exploring if, like three years ago is I was like, I wonder if I create a program that's around making money, but it's around becoming a top 1% coach. Yeah. And that idea lasted for like 20 minutes when I DM 10 people and I said, hey, what do you think of the idea of becoming a top 1% coach? And they're like, lame, don't like it, doesn't connect. And I was like, Perfect, right? Yeah. I was messaging clients and prospects and anyone else. And so when I come up with a lead magnet, I might come up with three possible lead magnets. And then I DM people or I run a poll on my Instagram or I post it on my Facebook and I say, which out of these three resonates with you the most? And I think it's so uh, funny how we can overcomplicate this. Hmm. The, ma- the market research process. We're like, oh, we've got to go on Amazon and go on Reddit and go on all these things and like and conduct all this research. It's like, or you could just ask, 10, 15, 20, as many people who will listen to you that are in your target market, they could be already paying you or not and just give them some options, give them some wording, yeah, give them yeah. some verbiage, see what relates to them yeah. the most. You got to pre-bake a few of those cookies, right? To test them out. Right. You know, I was I was talking to someone recently who had eight closers, a sales manager, two or three setters, I can't remember. Um, if hell exists, that's what it is. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, right? And I, and, I, and I said to them, would you be interested in me showing you how to sell the same volume that you're selling now without sales calls. Right. Right. So I pre-baked their cookie because it's like, I know I can write an offer that replaces eight salespeople yeah. with that person because they've got an offer converting, mm-hmm. take all the stuff, put it into my methodology. It's great. Yeah. So, fuck yeah. And then you say like, if you just don't tell the closers that I'm the one yeah. that told you to fire them, that would be great. <laughs> and if you could not I share my the address cop. on the yeah, end, that, yeah, that's yeah. extra. That's an extra fee if I have to, if I have to fire. <laughs> But but it's the same thing of like pre-baking the pre-baking the idea of like mm-hmm. just ask them. Yeah. Can I take this pain away from you? Yeah. Right. And so you've got to have some hypothesis. Yeah. But you can come up with that in your own research. Yeah. But then you've just got to ask people. Yeah. Well, this, this guy, you know, Deja Ru from Twitter, the guy I don't know who he, how he looks, but his name is Ruby, and I pay him for Voxer coaching, mm. and he has this phrase all the time. He says, "Be a scientist." Mm. So like he'll post something about online. He's like, um, "You guys should take more magnesium. It's really good for you." And everyone's like, but what brand, but how much? And he's like, just go be a scientist, like figure this out. And I think a lot of us have lost that. We're looking for the blueprint. We're looking for a coach to sit with us and hold our hand and say, you should promise this. And the reality is, is that everyone's market niche offer is different, you're different. And so there are variables at play. You need to have a hypothesis and test things out, get data. And we learned this so well with Facebook ads, Hmm. right? 
everything was a hypothesis. You'd be like, I have a webinar I think will go well. So I need to create five ad angles and each ad angle is gonna have four different pieces of creative. And then the ads manager and the algorithm is gonna do its thing to kind of test and see what's gonna be the winning racehorse we're gonna bet on. But when it comes to offers, when it comes to like building out a business, we're like looking for the best way, A through Z, rather than like being a scientist and testing these things out, getting feedback, not getting discouraged and just like continuing yeah. to iterate and optimize. Yeah, fully. And <clears throat> I use the word hypothesis mm -hmm. a lot. And then a couple of weeks ago, someone asked me what it meant. And I was like, what's the, and it's like, it's your best guess. And they're like, ah, okay. Yeah. Because that's literally what it is. You're approaching the market. You've got some knowledge. You've got some idea and you make your best guess. Yeah. And then you get data on it. Yeah. By asking people, running out, whatever, whatever the next step is. Yeah. But that is literally a hypothesis isn't something complicated. Mm -hmm. It's something it's just simply your best guess and that you're willing you're just willing to be wrong about it. I love it. So three to four month program, dream outcome that's believable, that's based on market research and based on not what you want, but a like a perfect fit prospect survival needs, the yeah. stuff that they're like, I'm willing to pay for this right now. How would you deliver that? Because obviously you and I came from the course world, right? Yeah. It was like, you have some modules, you have a Facebook community, yeah. you have a call once a week. That's our way that can still work. But if you were to tell someone based on your experience now, what they should do or what you would do if you were starting over again, how would you structure that kind of first few months? So the way I used to do it was onboarding people in a linear fashion, which is do this, do this, do this, do this. Yeah. Week one, week two, week three, week yeah. four, or step and then, one, step two, you know, step three. Have it and, it and it goes like that. What I found was the variables with different people at scale who are joining programs or joining group are, are very, very high, right? And the more variables you have of the people joining your program, the more you have to have infrastructure that caters for those variables. So a practical example is the more variables you have, the more questions you need and the more customer support you need, the more questions you get in your group, on your calls, et cetera, et cetera. So from an efficiency point of view, I found that having a one-to-one -one call with somebody and having and catering for the variables there in that first instance, especially if you're still in a growth phase of giving them the map, but showing them their terrain, which is like, you've got this, you've got this, here are some three or four ways to accelerate the things you've already got. Mm -hmm. So they're not going on a linear path is the highest leverage piece, which is giving them the map, which is the same map for everybody, but helping them plot the terrain themselves. Yep. So that condenses the customization and gets them results quicker mm -hmm. because they can they can more use utilization some unfair advantage that they've already got or assets have already got or resources whatever it is and and get a get a much faster start but you've also got less support to go along the way because you've catered for most of the variables in the plan yeah. so i found that unless you're some, running something really massive mm -hmm. you know where you're, you're signing up dozens or thousands or hundreds or whatever people a week then giving someone a plan at some level, whether it's you or a coach or, or, or someone you've got there, or get, getting them to fill in a plan and bringing it to a place where you can do it en masse and customize it yeah. is the fastest way to condense that and give the most variables, but while while still sticking to a plan that you know they can execute and you know you can support them on. Yeah, so I wanna go granular for a second because how I see it is if you go to a bad doctor, you present symptoms and they give you medication and they say, oh, you've got, you feel like this, take this pill three times a day or yep. whatever. Um, a great doctor will look at the foundations and the fundamentals, right? Sleep, nutrition, hydration, movement, yep. sunlight, stress. And then based on your needs, once those things are taken care of and you've dialed in the fundamentals, they give you supplements, medicines, whatever it might be to supplement. Mm. 
right? The foundational work that you're doing. And so when someone comes into our world, for example, there is the foundational curriculum that you don't have to go at, uh, through A through Z, but mm -hmm. there are steps you have to go through yeah. before you start getting individualized prescriptions, yeah. right? So it's like, you have to go through these modules. So we, we call it, uh, the first steps they go through is onboarding and mastery. Yeah. So it's like, this is how you succeed in our world. Here are values. This is the roadmap to 100K a month profit. Then mastery is about kind of self-image, setting goals, yeah. all those types of things. Then we start to get individually prescriptive, right? If you've already got momentum and you're making money yeah. and you just want to tweak your offer, great, go here. Yeah. If you uh, have a great offer and it's already converting and yeah. you're seeing with traffic, great, go here. Yeah. And I think one of the things that people struggle with is holding tensions. Mm. Do I tell them what to do mm. or do I create a buffet and they can choose their own adventure? Mm. And the answer is both, mm. right? And so I, I, I will state my strong opinion here. I would love to know what you think. I think most people, and when I say most, I mean you would have to be the real exception, should either be doing the work for people or doing it with them. I would say the the rare case is when you just teach people to do it themselves because most people just don't have the skills or to actually create a curriculum and create an environment and hold a community and a culture yeah. to where it can be hands off. So I think either you're you're providing a service yeah. or you're doing one-to-one -one coaching. Like for me, this whole idea of like scale where people are in their first 10, 15, 20 clients and they're trying to like hire a coach and have a community manager and have a client concierge or, or have the perfect course. 12 videos that do exactly the same thing a thousand times. Even now I'll record a video and I'll think of 10 things I could have said better or things I didn't include. And like, even at my level, I'm still thinking about ways in which I can get better and ways in which I'm dropping the ball and going, oh my gosh. But but do you do you agree or do, how do you see that? Because I think so many people that the headline on the Facebook ad of stop stop one-to-one -one coaching and start a group program, I think is a really sexy promise. I think too many people don't have really? the skills to go straight into group coaching, straight into a leverage model. I think you build programs around people rather than build them for them. Okay. <laughs> right? Which is, I think we're saying the same thing. You, you are a service provider, so you get in there mm -hmm. and you solve problems and your skill levels go up to pattern match how you solve those problems at scale. So the, the evolution of your teachings, I would guess your stuff is getting shorter mm -hmm. and more refined and it's improving in that because you're getting better. And like the average length of my training videos over the years have gone like that because <laughs> I can say what I need to say it used to take me 60 minutes and now I can do it in eight. So it's like the refinement down. Mm -hmm. But I I don't make, when people join my community, I don't make them go through a linear piece. Mm -hmm. I customize every single person, even when they join at 300 bucks a week right now, price is going up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> price is going up, five spots left. Don't wait. Yeah. Um, the even Even when they're coming in now, I give every person a 30 minute call because I mm -hmm. know that I can save eight weeks mm. of them going through stuff and down into that, that the next eight weeks are much more on their path and on their journey. Yep. And I get faster results and also mm -hmm. people don't leave. <laughs> but the most important point I think here is that you haven't graduated from one-to-one -one coaching. You still do it. Yeah. I still do it. Like yeah. I've added $40,000 a month in recurring revenue in, th in the last three weeks mm. and it's all one-to-one -one consulting. Mm. And so there's this fallacy that I see people believe that they're like, they do the hard yards of, I'm doing one-to-one -one calls and I'm, you know, doing the $130 an hour type things mm. like like I did when I started. Mm. And now we're like experts and we're really good and we've graduated out of it. But I think this whole idea is, firstly, it's crazy because people are graduating 
far too early. They mm. don't have the skills. They don't have the ability to like communicate really succinctly, clearly, give people what they need. They don't even know what people need. And I think this whole idea of like one-to-one coaching and being really hands-on is so interesting to me because I'm getting opportunities now where my hourly rate is three to $4,000 an hour, yeah. right? We have a unique tax situation. So that's not only mostly profit, it's mostly take home. And then I compare that to the $13,000 uh, $13 an hour I was making five years ago. The gap between here and there is thousands of hours of one-to-one coaching. So people go- In the trenches. Right, that sounds amazing. How do I create an offer around that? It's like, well, you probably can't because you don't have the skills. And so I think there's just something to be said about creating business models that yes, doesn't suck. You're not, like I'm not spending 30 hours a week one-to-one coaching, but I'll spend five to 10 hours a week one-to-one with clients Mm. because number one, it's really profitable. People love buying one-to-one. It's its own unique mechanism Mm. in a lot of ways, Mm. right? Having a one-to-one coach. But number two, it makes me so good at what I do. And I think there's just this crazy belief that people get to 10K a month and that they did the hard yards of one-to-one and now we're going to launch a course and that's going to get me to seven-figure freedom and I'm, I'm just going to like check into the community once a week. And I just think it's bull crap. It is, but, but those people are trying to get away from the pain they've already created. Mm-hmm. So they think that scaling themselves out of it is the way to do it. Right. So they go, well, this thing is causing me pain, which is one-to-one. So therefore the thing that will provide relief from that pain is not doing one-to-one. Yep. And then the answer lies in a much more nuanced place somewhere in the middle of that is it, it depends. Yep. But when are you, like I always go back to leverage. Mm-hmm. When are you going to deploy leverage? Yeah. When are you, what complexity have you gone through so your clients go through simplicity? Because right. that's mastery. You, someone has to go through complexity because mm-hmm. to get extraordinary results in anything, you need to understand the complex variables that go into getting results of anything, even the body, business, relationships ever. They're complicated machines and complicated systems. Mm-hmm. Someone needs to go through complexity. And the idea that you can just package everything up and throw it at a client and go, there you go, work it out and I'll see you on Wednesday at 10 a.m. every week mm-hmm. is, is fiction unless you've done an extraordinary amount of hours before that to go, listen, 95% of people are going to get results by doing this. So someone's got to go through complexity. And if you're good, then the leverage that you get from a 20-minute, 30-minute, you know, one-to-one piece yeah. will provide leverage to that client, which is weeks and months, you know, yeah. in terms of getting them back. But you're rewarded for that if they're paying to stay around. And the pra- on a practical note, the, the nuances live within the terms one-to-one coaching how many hours, how frequently, what are we covering yeah. in those? Like one of the things that I did that I made a huge mistake on when I first started one-to-one coaching is I had my, one of my first clients, I think it was like coaching client number three, paid for a year of one-to-one coaching up front. So I had 52 one-hour sessions. Did you, make the, did, you, did you offer it that it was once a week? Yeah. Yeah, I did that, that was oh. a mistake. Oh, it was a mistake, but not only that, he was rich, so we didn't, he, didn't, he didn't need the coaching. No one. Um, and like, <laughs> I said, no one really does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the challenge was like, he was like a wealthy investor and he wanted to share his knowledge. Sure. And so I would jump on a call with him and I would, te- I'm trying to fill out the hour. It wasn't about an outcome. I was literally like just selling the deliverable, right? An hour I was teaching uh, and then we would assign to-do lists. And then like, we'd get back to the next week. And I was like, hey, did you do what we were talked about? And he's like, no, I didn't. I'm like, how am I going to fill this hour? You know, and I'm like rehashing yeah, yeah, the same fully, things. Fully. And then now all my one-to-one clients get two 30-minute sessions a week, yeah. uh, a month, sorry. Yeah. And so that's every two weeks, 30 yeah. minutes. I teach nothing. Yeah. I answer no Q&A stuff. We yeah. are working on like high-level strategic game plan stuff. So the nuances 
are not just within like skills and how advanced are you? It's like you can structure it differently uh, to where clients Absolutely. are getting better results and you're not getting burnt out. So when I had like, I got to 95,000 a month in profit in April of this year when I, after I burnt everything down and I rebuilt with one-to-one -one with 30 one-to-one -one clients. Mm. But that was only eight hours of coaching per week, mm. right? To make over a million dollars mm. like run rate and profit. So it's how you structure it as mm. well. So coming back to this, this 100K a month plan that we're building for people now. So three to four month thing, dream outcome. I would say more hands-on than not, and especially in the early stages, build skills, get really good at what you do, become obsessed with helping people um, go through complexity so they can experience simplicity. How do you think about pricing? Because yeah. there's not a magic price. It's not like when we, when we joined Sam, we keep referencing him because obviously that was our shared uh, history when we started out. He had a $5,800 price point that then we all came out and did a $5,800 Everyone price 5, point. So it's so much more nuanced, right? Like depending on your skills and what you value your time yeah. at and all of that, it's nuanced. Uh, someone's group program could start out at $3,500 and that might be a great price point for them starting out. You started yeah. out at 2,500. Yeah. Other people should be double or triple that. Yeah. But how do you think about it in terms of putting together that core offer uh, for people to be pricing it in such a way that it's like, do you look at competitors? Do you like, how do you think about that? So I I pretty much exclusively use weekly pricing and it's a bit of a thing mm -hmm. uh, around around my parts um, because it, lo it it offers the lowest now number to get started. Yep. You know, you're presenting a low number relative to, a low number relative to, you know, the high numbers that generally get presented on a high ticket. Yeah. So. I found that the, the, the easiest offers to, to make and the easiest offers to create are also the easiest offers to buy. Mm -hmm. And an easy offer to buy is matched with a price that's easy to say yes to. So a few hundred bucks a week, mm -hmm. you know, and I've got clients for, who start at 100 and start at 800 relative to, their, to the market they're in. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I just, with pricing, I mean, it's an infinitely, you, we could do 10 podcasts on pricing mm -hmm. because it's infinitely nuanced and infinitely perspective. But the, the, the key things are for me are like lower than our number to get started. The yep. priority is getting people started. It's not, it's not making profit necessarily on day one. Mm -hmm. It's getting someone started and building a, a, an LTV and building a long-term relationship with them. Yep. Because it's hard to sell things. <laughs> like you don't want to do it. As, you you want to minimize the number of sales you make to the number of people you make mm -hmm. by keeping them the longest possible time. Yes. So I'm a big proponent of having pricing that makes it easy to get started for someone and that's that's obviously relative to the market and easy to stay easy to stay because if they're paying $300 a week like because let's get into the nitty gritty here right so it's like someone's committing to a I can't do the math but like $300 times 16 right what is that uh, don't do public math I know 4800 yeah 4800 thank you thank you James <laughs> um, so 4800 so what I would do is I um, I, I if, if you want to incentivize cash up front, yeah. the easiest way to do that is prepaid discounts yeah. in my experience, right? So if you're not in a season of stacking recurring revenue, but trying to stack cash because you're trying to get yourself mm. out of a hole, yeah. having prepaid discounts where it's like it's 4,800 paid across 16 weeks, or if you want to save 20%, which is $800, you can prepay today and that makes it $4,000. Yeah. It's the opposite of what most of the industry does, which is yeah. they penalize people who go on high ticket payments. It's yeah. the opposite way, right? Opposite frame, it's $4,000, mm. Or if you want to split your payments, it's now 5,000 or it's 6,000. It's just arbitrary numbers. Mm. You're like penalizing poor people, mm. right? Mm. <laughs> it's like, oh, you can't afford the full amount. Mm. We're going to make it more for you. Mm. So it's reverse. Um, it's and, not 4,800, by the way. It's 4,400. Oh, embarrassing. That embarrassing. Um, and so, <laughs> so we've got weekly pricing. You yep. can have a prepaid discount if you yep. want cash up front. What I do is at the end of 16 weeks, let's say, 
you can do a couple of things. Firstly, this comes. This is my experience is that it comes down to your level of confidence. If you have a killer program that's yeah. getting amazing results, you can sell a longer time frame. So the 16 weeks could enter into a 12 month recurring yeah. revenue where the payments just keep going weekly or monthly. Yeah. Or you can just resell another rhythm of 16 weeks. I don't like when people go into a month to month mm. where it's truly open-ended. It's like, do you wanna keep working together in like every month you don't know whether these clients yeah. are staying? So having a time commitment is strong, but I really like having a core recurring revenue offer that you can just resell and resell and resell again. And I am a few years into this with clients yeah. where some clients have never made more than a six month commitment and they're still here three years later. Yeah. So it totally works. Do you see it the same way in terms of going from one offer into the next? Because by the way, just to recap, uh, to clarify, sorry, these are not different offers. This is not an upsell. This is not a downsell. This is a resell. Yeah. Would you like to continue to pay the same and experience the same level of coaching, content, and community? Yeah, That's how I do it. Is I, that how I, do it? I, I, we're fully on the same page with that. And again, it goes back to that selling once piece, <laughs> which is like to get the transformation you want, you know, the dream outcome, as you say, it takes 12 months. Mm -hmm. In the next 16 weeks, these things get done, yep. right? So they're committing to 16 weeks, but mm -hmm. they understand if they want the dream outcome, they probably should be there for 12 months minimum. Yep. So I sell on two dimensions. The, the time dimensions is you're selling two timeframes. Yep. You're selling what happens first and then what can happen over the time frame. Yeah. But that's a pre-commitment. It's kind of like the dream and the goal. Yeah, yeah. Right? The, the war and the battle, right? Yeah. yeah. And then two dimensions as well is like, how fast do you want to go? Mm -hmm. Because the, the, the two dimensions I sell is like, you can get started here for 300 bucks, you get this much of me, you get this, this, this. That's enough for you know, 66% of people, but based on current numbers. Mm -hmm. For the other 33% who, who are in my world, they're like, I want more access to you. I want to buy hours with you. I want a private Slack channel with you. So I have levels yeah. that go faster. Let's talk about the levels. Well, the, the other level that I'd, I'll go back to the daily client machine, which is you know, a, a methodology that I launched after, after Authority Architecture, that had two dis like really distinct levels, which was I'll help you write a book that you can turn into a sales funnel and then get you high ticket clients. That was right. the whole premise of the daily client machine, right? Mm -hmm. the, the course and the program were five grand. The done for you was 50, right? right? So we'd do, we'd do the book for them launch the funnel, et cetera, et cetera. Oh yeah, cetera. you literally wrote people's books. I yeah, forgot yeah. about that. You're yeah. not just talking about the done for you of the yeah. selling. It was like- So another, I, I wanted to introduce that because another level for some people can be services too. Yeah. Like one-to-one -one services and those things. But the, the, the point is there's power laws present in groups of customers. Right. There is a, a pretty decent cohort in most people's audiences who just want more access to you. They want to go faster. Mm -hmm. They want it done for them. And I believe having an offer there you know, that is multiples of the of the easy to enter two, three, four hundred dollar a week piece mm -hmm. is the fastest way to accelerate revenue. But also understand that there's different e there's differing economics in your client base. Some people, you know, I've had people <laughs> who are only ever going to pay me a hundred bucks, mm -hmm. and I've had people who are going to pay me multiple six figures. Yeah. So it's like I I believe two dimensions. We're selling two dimensions of time. Yeah. What gets done in terms of what did you say the goal? Yeah, the, the dream and the goal. The dream and the goal. So sell the goal and then the dream. Yep. And then two dimensions of like, this is everything that you get. There's plenty there. But if you want to go, if you want to go faster, you know, go in the fast lane, then, yeah. then you can, you can be. So, so we've, so everyone listening to this has uh, probably a binary belief. They're either trying to hash it out one offer to 1 million. Yeah. We know that works, right? That can totally work, right? Then there are other people who have value ladders and offer stacks and yep. they go from a $7 thing to a $97 a month thing to blah, 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 blah. Again, 
totally subjective. There's no right way. But how would you think about it when you're thinking about, we've got this core offer that we're helping people build out, right? 90 days, 16 weeks, weekly pricing, dream outcome. It's goal, not dream. I love how I'm confusing people with the language. It's dream, but goal, but <laughs> it's the, the short-term time commitment with a believable Watch this goal. Watch podcast twice. Yeah, yeah. Um, when should people consider just totally opinion on integrating a second offer. The second offer might be completely different. So if we think about a practical lens, it's a different community, different curriculum, yeah. and or just bolting on something to their original offer. When I say that, I mean like, maybe it's a community offer and then you've got one-to-one -one connected to that. I believe, so this is, this is, this is a, comes back to, it depends on how fast you wanna go. Mm -hmm. I believe someone should develop a 12 month roadmap out of the gate even if they don't stick to that for the client mm -hmm. with a definitive way of where you're going to take them in the first 12 to 16 weeks. Mm -hmm. So I believe that people should develop a 12 month roadmap for the client just to give themselves some certainty yes. and have something to sell into. And you know, and if you already have a front end offer where you're just serving someone for eight to 16 weeks, one of the easiest offers to make after that is like, do you want to stick around and keep getting support? <laughs> yeah. Well, what, why the roadmap is important because, because the biggest objection I hear from clients that can't figure out how to keep clients is they're like, we've done everything. Mm. You're like, then create more things to do mm. and more problems to solve. Mm. Like each problem you solve creates another problem to solve. So what you're saying is identify more problems and solutions than just what you intend to, to solve in the first 16 weeks. Yeah. So that reselling becomes easy. So that's the first piece. Then what's the second piece to that? That it's dynamic. Mm -hmm. that it, it's not I think people think, think that they have to have a 12 month roadmap that is fixed and at the, the, the earlier you are in the beginning the more variables that you have to introduce you go actually they can do that three month period in three weeks right but this threat but based on experience the, the three weeks I gave them to do that thing that's actually takes them three months because it's complicated right so the roadmaps are, are, are dynamic and and you need to set you need to have a dynamic approach to, to where the clients are going. But you, as again, it's a hypothesis. This is the best guess about what clients need to do in the next 12 months to, to achieve the dream. Mm -hmm. and, and then sticking to that and then being dynamic within it to, to actually change the order and sequence if you need to. Yep. Like we're always responsive to clients, right? Yeah. We talk about what you're making for your guys and I'm making for my guys all the time. It's like, I feel in my waters that they kind of oh, need a bit more If I get this, one I more, more client more jumping on a community call being like, so I saw James Kemp say this and I'm like, Mother, no, um, but it's just so funny with business models and stuff like that. So, so how I did it this year. So this year was like a reset for mm. both of us. Like, like we yeah. could do ten podcasts about the hilarious journey of like our our stories, and yeah. you were selling software five minutes ago and not even doing <laughs> consulting. Um, what I did is I did one to one first, yeah, and then I capped out on one to one. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of telling people to at least start with something like because it is easy to sell. Yeah, much easier when you say I'm giving you my time. I'm holding your hand, we're in the trenches together. Much easier to sell than saying, here's a course login, all the best, right? It's, it's easier to sell now, especially when people have gone through courses and programs where oh, they didn't yeah. get results for. Yes. And the, the straight out, we came out of the gate saying a similar thing, which is like, you've done the courses, you've done the programs, and all you want is someone to help you assemble the good stuff. Yes. <laughs> so, so what I did is it was one-to-one, uh, -one, and then I filled that up. And then I was like, I can either just get more one-to-one -one clients, which was not appealing. I could either just charge more, which was unappealing in the sense that I didn't want to move those 30 clients through a price mm -hmm. increase and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so all I did was create a community version of that. And the community version of that, if we just get a visual here. Okay, so how you and I teach this, right? I think you call it the hybrid offer. I don't have a name for it, but basically like there's one-to-one -one, and the one-to-one -one that I sold was there's no curriculum. 
Mm-hmm. So you're just getting my time. There was no, I think we had a Slack channel. And then I built out the community yeah. and the community was half the price, no one-to-one with me, one call a week and a now a school group, yeah. right? So let's just say it's 1500 a month for community and 3000 a month for one-to-one. What's really beautiful about this particular stack is the one-to-one does not have a separate group. It does not have separate curriculum. It doesn't have separate group calls. Mm -hmm. They have all the same group calls. So we've got content, coaching, and community in this. And then all that's happening is some people pay more for time with us. Crazy. And this is what I like is, again, it's so subjective. So many ways to make money. So many ways to get to 100K a month. But I would say like- is the best way. Yeah, yeah. But (laughs) but I would say what I would do is you fill your cup with- one-to-one clients. You get insanely good at what you so do. controversial. Right, I know. You get you're really good at what you do. You charge a premium for it because yep. you're selling a time and then you can bolt on a community. You can do it either or, but what I would say is if you start with a community, you're not getting the reps in when it comes to figure, like you, the, the um, feedback loop is too long. Yeah. If, if you've got someone, 10 people in a community, it's harder to know how many people are winning and what they're struggling with if the only checkpoints you have is this person comes to a community call every three weeks, right? There's no one-to-one check-in. So I really like starting one-to-one and going to group. But here's what I would say. Mm. That's kind of where I would cap out to go to 100K a month is that you don't then need this and then this and then another thing. I think to get to 100K a month, it's like you could do it with one offer. I think the sexiest way that I like is basically it's one offer, it's one content, one community, It's just that some people get one-to-one and some people do not. And the price reflects that. This is the simplest model that I've seen to get to 100K a month. I'd I'd love to know like, what do you think of that kind of model? Because I know we have very similar models. (laughs) And then there's one one other thing. We need a third person in the room to argue against this. I know we're we're the same. There there isn't a lot of contrarian stuff I'm going to come up with here. But but I would really love to know um, where do things like uh, one-off things come in? Right. Yeah. So, so let's just say people are bought in on this. They're going to have one to one, and they're going to have community. But I know in your world, uh, you have um, you know paid days. People pay for days. There are events that you run. There are paid workshops. So obviously, you've got these core things. Yeah. How do you think about these auxiliary things? These like periphery things, where they're not the main offers. You're not spending all of your time promoting this one thing. Yeah. Because uh, we're going to talk about funnels and getting clients shortly and yeah. how to fill these. But but how do you think about those things? Because I think one of the things that people really struggle with is holding the tension of like like I had a client today that just made me lose my mind, where he was like, oh yeah, I'm, I've decided I'm running a retreat in January. So I'm just going to pause all promotion for my offer until then just to fill the event. And I'm like, so you are, anyway. So that's a tension that people find themselves in is that it's like juggling balls and spinning plates. And because these ones aren't going very well, then I launch another one and these these ones are suffering and this one. So how do you think about those things? I'll try and make these distinctions as best I can without having an iPad and like, you know, sketching them out. So I I see there's two classes of people that, that I transact with in my business. There's customers. And a customer will buy a training and a workshop with a defined, you know, a defined input. And those are customer products and I sell those for between 100 and 500 bucks, mm-hmm. right? So they're customers. They have transacted with me. They get a training. They'll get a workshop. It's defined in what they get. Yep. Then I have clients. Clients I dedicate energy, I dedicate thought, care, et cetera to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, clients are there and they're making a commitment to come into my world and I'm making a commitment to them. Mm-hmm. Clients can enter my world like in a community for as low as 300 bucks and then they can buy, like you, there's another level of 
do you want to go faster? Do you want more access? Mm -hmm. That's the next level up. But I also sell ad hoc hours that you can buy in bunches of one, four, and 10. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can buy days with me or I, I run a retreat every three to four months at the moment. Yep. So what I've found is that in that client stack, that it allows people to choose their own adventure because they're already kind of pre-planning their time in the year. You know, I've got tons of people coming in January, yep. both in terms of to one-off days with one-to-one, -one, mm -hmm. but also a retreat at the end of January too. And they're like, I'm getting there, I'm coming over, I'm going to plan the year, et cetera. I'm using the syndicate, which is my community to kind of, you know, keep going along and that's mm -hmm. the baseline. So I've, I've found that having multiple levels just allows people to choose their own adventure, but it also maximizes LTV because sometimes people want a couple of hours with me to do a particular job, you know, and do that thing, but they don't want to commit to one-to-one yeah. -one ongoing. Yeah. And, I, and I find it's, it's offers the highest level of flexibility for me and the highest level of flexibility for them. Yeah. But the other distinction I want to make is the difference between offers and products. <laughs> because when I look at the client stack, I've got the syndicate and the syndicate plus one-on-one, -on -one, and then the syndicate plus hours and the syndicate plus you know retreats or, or VIP days, then those are individual products. But I can also, I have an offer that encompasses all and all I, rent, all I really want to do is get people into my world and then they can choose their own adventure as they go along. Yep. And that means that I have one third of people who join the syndicate get something else yep. within the first six weeks. Yep. They either get hours or they commit to a retreat or anything like that. Yep. So there's a variable at play here that we need to talk about. It's the elephant in the room, stress. Hmm. Everything you just described sounds like hell hmm. or it's easy and it's amazing depending on this variable of stress for someone. Yeah, sure. And so our business model is really unique and we, we'll talk about getting clients and team and things like that shortly. But I can't speak for you. I have 0% business stress. Like my stress, my stress exists with kids, bro. Like my five, my seven-year-old is like waking up at 4.30 in the morning. I'm yeah. like, bro, yeah. I'm losing my mind, right? So when I have like, I'm running an event in LA in six weeks, I have four guest spots, the rest are clients. I've sold one of those guest spots already. I'm confident those three will fill. Mm -hmm. I also don't care. Like I don't yeah. have any stress associated with that. So yeah. if I sent an email and I was like, I'm gonna try and sell some hours. I have no attachment to whether or not those hours sell. We have very high profit businesses. I have no stress. I'm just having fun. For most people, the challenge is when you have your core offers, I don't even know what I was using before, and they're not working very well, and then you add in all of these different things. Definitely. Now you've just spread your energy thin and you've increased your stress. Yeah. And so I think that's a really important variable to think about is that like until you were at a point where energy is abundant, where stress is minimized, you should be doing the fewest things humanly possible. 100% agree. You should like be trying when, to get those the, things the, working. The phrase you used is when it's not working well. Yeah. And the instinct that people have is when something is not working well is not to make it work well. It's to add something else that doesn't work well. Yeah. Well, I said <laughs> and now you've got two things that don't work well. I said because a line you the don't other day. Have the, you don't understand why the other thing isn't working well. Yeah. So you add shit. I said, I said a line the other day. I was like, man, I'll put this up on Twitter. It wasn't that good, <laughs> but people were quoting it. And I was like, um, we would rather throw intensity at new things than throw consistency at old things. Yeah. And I think like this is just such an important thing to think about because this is where the nuance is, right? 
there is no right way and no amount of offers that you can or can't have to make a lot of money. But it's all predicated on you as the business owner, your passions, yeah. the people you serve, your capacity. Like earlier this year, the idea of even having this conversation and entertaining, uh, entertaining live events and things like that would have been so far from my version of reality because I was going through this phase of firing my team and trying to get profits back on track. Now, when I'm like sitting down and I've got a community and I've got people who buy one-to-one -one, and then last week I got my first $12,000 a month client, that variable, with then there's no structure with that. So that's what's even more interesting is there's no set calls. I'm just there to help them launch a book, yeah. right? That would have been crushing because I've been like, in the midst of the broken business, I've added in this whole other thing I need to think about and I've got someone texting me. So now I've got Slack and I've got Messenger and I've got someone yeah. texting me, but now it's great. I've got capacity. Yeah. And this is the big thing when people are thinking about business model and offers is that there's no one thing or right thing, but there are principles that should guide us. Sure. And stress, I think, is one of the biggest variables that people need to be aware of. Yeah. You likely won't solve stress by selling more things yeah. or hiring I mean, this is controversial, but like the idea that you can just hire your way out of stress can sometimes work. But if things are already really bad, unless the only stressful thing on your calendar is the thing that that person is going to solve, bringing more people into the chaos of a business will likely not make it feel better. It will make it feel worse. Yeah, I like that. I like that in terms of like the selling things. Well, uh, it doesn't take the stress away. Mm. It, it, it largely adds them. Yeah. I, the, I go back to sequence mm -hmm. and the sequence that you described before is I think people need to pick up on the fact that you and I earned the right to go through that sequence really quickly, mm. like in a pretty similar different timelines, but not too dissimilar in terms of what we've done and what we're doing. Um, and the amount of time we spend with each other is clearly, you know, something's rubbing. We share, we share a fence, guys. We share a fence. <laughs> no, that's that's a, that. Now the cat's out of the bag with that one. The, the, the news <laughs> We've is started out. a cult. <laughs> but the, the sequence of one to one, adding a community, then you adding, you know, um, higher ticket, you know, mentor. It's it's that's mentorship that you're doing now in the in the, tr in the truest sense because it's unstructured. It's like how to, how would you think about that kind of engagement? Mm -hmm. Some people are going to, that sequence, some people are going to take years to do that mm. because they haven't done all the reps that you've done. Yep. But you can follow the sequence there because I followed a similar sequence. I got 16 one-to-one -one clients at 1200 bucks a week yeah. and I did that for four months yeah. and that's all I did. And I was in safety because I was making enough money yep. and I was fine and I had consulting revenue from other things you know, on the side and I was offloading some other things that were still making money but I was like offloading those to reduce the stress because I knew on the other side of the 16 that then I'd add a community. Mm. And then I made a slight tweak to the one-to-one, -one, which I went from the, the same model that you're running, which is like, this is how many calls you get to variable calls on demand, right. which is, and that dropped the call volume of 40%, which created more capacity. Mm -hmm. But I still didn't raise the number of one-to-one -one clients because I'm like, cool, I can get capacity back, right. time and energy to scale. But all along the way, the hidden thing for me was I only do calls on Tuesday and Thursday. So I don't feel stressed whatsoever. Um, but because I put, put constraints on what I was prepared to do and unprepared to do yeah. in terms of feeding those things in. So that's also, I think that helps in not getting caught up with the, the nonsense that people have of like, this is one-to-one, -one. is it scalable? Is it like, could it, like questioning the modality when really like, if you just do calls on Tuesday and Thursday, I had an unusually heavy day yesterday, I had seven calls, right? And it was like, that's okay. <laughs> 
what have I done today? Yeah. <laughs> Come here and talk to you. And I went to, <laughs> yeah, went yeah. to breath work and like, but it's like the, the sequence, I think the thing that people don't miss is that time dimension mm-hmm. that you can go through that sequence really quickly. Whereas someone listening to this might need to do, do that over three to four years. Yep. And last note on this before we talk about funnel is sometimes it's not even about logic. It's about emotion in the positive sense, mm. right? Can we both double our business by doing nothing else and just growing the things we have? Yes. Yes. Do we want to do other things because it sounds fun? Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, did I need to add in in-person events for my community to sell? I don't think I did, but it sounds fun. Like I'm in LA next month running an event. I'm in Japan in March running an event. That sounds fun. And so this is where it's also not about need. Like, oh, but do we need, it's like you can get to a point if you have high recurring revenue, high profit, low stress, you don't have to be super strategic and everything has to be logical. You can simply do stuff just because you want to do it. Yeah. I'll share this because it's been amusing for me. I, I, I have not taken any paid, paid in fulls this year. Really? And I controversial. <laughs> I, I, I do with partner offers because like 20K up front and it's a, it's a chunk of work because I'm co-writing, co-creating an offer with someone. Mm. But there is no pay plan because we just get straight into it. And that's a particular type of, type of partnership. But for my scalable you know, coaching, consulting, I've not taken a pay in full. <laughs> Every month I've increased revenue by at least 14 to 20%. My recurring revenue proportion is over 80% of monthly revenue. So I'm like, by all, and I am and I made six figures profit this month. Mm-hmm. Didn't make, quite make six figures last month, but I will this month. And by every conceivable metric is going up, but it's boring. Yeah, Isn't that, isn't that weird to say that I felt a couple of times of that grind up of just watching the everything just go up. Yeah. And it, I've, at a couple of moments I felt frustrated with it that I want to feel that that time I did 100 grand in a day I want a rush from it yeah it still happens to me yeah because I've had a 100 grand day before I had it like I've got a striped screenshot to bloody prove it <laughs> yeah, of, yeah. of 100k yeah. coming in right and I was like that felt amazing yeah I want that feeling again yeah it's not on any scalability on any like business it's completely irrational yeah but those feelings still come out but that doesn't mean we're completely led by our feelings because our feelings will implode our business uh because sometimes the feeling is this is boring but i but i have been particularly susceptible to that right so i had to share that because i'm very proud of myself i mean if we're getting very (laughs) honest i had to have many conversations earlier in the year when i was like a couple of months ahead of you in terms of the new model and you were like i'm thinking about doing this i'm thinking about doing this and i was like yeah, talk just down from do the ledge, this. Right. Just do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk down from the ledge. Um, so let's talk about getting clients because we talk about offer pricing model um, and we can talk about team as well to wrap yeah. up to kind of round out What's the 100K a month. Yeah, What's a team? Um, <laughs> I say that as I'm about to hire four people and I can talk about that as well. Um, getting clients has evolved yeah. and also the fundamentals haven't changed. Yeah. And uh, we need to stand out in a way that... Um, we don't look like every other coach. I remember when I first started selling our coaching offer in 2020, um, I'd done coaching previous to that, but I was mainly running an agency. I ran an offer. We would get sales calls. I was doing the sales calls earlier and I was like, hey, how are you different from XYZ person? Yep. Right? Super common. Then we were like selling 
groups and it was like the next iteration of our offer and it was like how are you different from this other person who's also selling groups yeah now i don't get that question ever yeah right and so there's a marketing kind of content positioning piece that we can talk about here but let's talk about the fundamental pieces of how you would go about mm -hmm. getting to 100k a month if you're making some money and you're trying to scale up your acquisition you're trying to get enough leads lead nurture conversion how would you think about that right now? And let's say someone doesn't have any money to spend on paid ads mm -hmm. or they have very little. So it's probably gonna be organic to start out with. What would you suggest platform, strategy, all of those kind of foundational things? Yeah, so let's make the assumption that everybody's on something yep. from the beginning. They're on they're, they're on some social media Some Some people platform. on Facebook, some are on Instagram, some are on cocaine. Does, you does, know? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe all of the above. Yeah. Um, I, I believe in terms of when you're talking about, if we, we, I always work backwards towards the market. Mm -hmm. So I always start at offers and then I work backwards towards the marketing because everything you want to happen in the back end is just, there's just fractals of what happens in the front. So I'm, I'm big on the big idea. You know, what is that dream outcome that you're taking people towards and you're starting to shape that up that you're conceptually going, over the next 12 months, I'm going to take people here because they need to be pre-sold on that idea mm -hmm. of that before they, that, that before they buy anything. Yeah. So I'm big, I'm big on having a big idea, pre-selling the big idea of you're going to become this. Mm -hmm. Like I've got this concept of a co sovereign consultant, right? Mm -hmm. How to make a million bucks a year with 50 clients or less. Like it's it's a binary concept. Like you either buy into that or you don't. Mm -hmm. Like there's no judgment around that. Yeah. So the more I talk about that concept in the in the platforms of choice that I, that I use, the more people start to buy in that that idea and their curiosity leads them down the track. Well, what's a sovereign consultant? What are the characteristics? How do I, you know? How do I access different pieces of those? Mm -hmm. So I framing up a big idea is usually around the identity, like what identity are you helping someone become? Mm -hmm. Or if you're truly unique around identity and mechanism, like what mechanism you're using. So big idea, unique, unique mechanism, you know, those are those are proven concepts. And then talk about it incessantly on the platform that people are paying attention on. And then when you get people engaging with that, you understand their intent. Like to the point where if you're really at the beginning, you need to know why that person liked that post. <laughs> what level of intent was that? Mm -hmm. Was that intent like, it's your grandma showing you support? Or is that intent of like, hey, I'm picking up what you're putting down, this might be worth a conversation. Yeah. So at the beginning, you've got the time to tune into the intent signals of how people are interacting with your stuff. But you've got to make stuff in the first place. Yeah. And that's where people struggle with content is like, what do I talk about? Mm -hmm. But and then if you've got that big idea, you can pull bits out of it and talk about those that you know, the pieces of that big idea as you go along and then understand how people interact with it. Right. So it's all about content. Mm -hmm. Like ads are content, organic is content, video is content, written is content. You've got to make content on the platform that you're already on that's getting some traction in a way that is natural to you, that is consistent and sustainable. Yeah. You do video. Mm -hmm. I write. Like they're, they're, we're, we're both making a lot of content, mm -hmm. but we're doing it in different modalities that suit us because we can be consistent. Yep. You can make consistent video. I can write, you know, till the cows come home. Mm -hmm. So one platform, yep. one idea, you know, and then and then it's just doing the reps on the, on the content and pulling the ideas and then understanding as people engage and, and what intent is behind it. And you, I could trust you for the, the smart stuff. I'm going to give people the dumb stuff. So firstly, like you can obviously do- Make good videos. <laughs> Make a video, um, post a tweet. So there's a lot of ways to get clients, right? 
Like there's I like I'm friends with people who send cold emails. Yeah. And that's not appealing to me, not because it doesn't work. Totally works. Um, Everything works. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. But I think there are pros and cons depending on the business you're trying to build. And so one of the issues with let's say like you just send a hundred cold DMs a day, totally works. And I think it's a great way to uh, it's a great thing to peer alongside creating content. The problem is the moment you stop sending the messages is the moment the leads stop coming in. Yeah. As opposed to building an audience that has a connection with you that's an asset that lasts longer than the moment of piece of content you've just created. Yeah. And so I think the thing that we can both agree on is that you need one platform, right? When people are getting started, they shouldn't be doing five different platforms, a redistribution strategy, I'm posting tweets here and shorts here and TikToks here, one platform. My two favorite platforms, I'd be interested to know what you think about LinkedIn, but I personally like Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. Facebook is so damn easy to start organically. You just add people and your audience literally grows like that. Instagram, much harder to grow organically. Mm -hmm. We're posting two reels a day right now. Um, and we, I'm getting really decent growth, like 10 to 20 people a day. And then I might be on a podcast. And like, I think I've added like a thousand Facebook, uh, Instagram followers in the last month. So it's been working well organically. But typically the only traction that I see clients consistently get is when they're running ads. Yeah. So if we're talking no budget, it's Facebook. What do you think about LinkedIn? And then how do people choose what platform that they should use? All of the platforms work. Yeah. So for me, it's always the one that they're already on that they're getting traction on. Right. And I've had a couple of clients recently going, I don't think my people are on this platform and like walking away from like 14K followers on Instagram and you're going, oh, I think my people are on LinkedIn. It's like, don't do it. Like you, it's 80-20, it's yeah. you incrementally add it. Yeah. I'm, 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 my two platforms are Facebook and email. Because I use Facebook to get people onto email where I can make offers. Yeah. That's all. And also Facebook's a really good platform uh, in the sense that the people we are trying to reach also spend a lot of time on it as their primary mm. thing. So James and I don't feel any smarter when we sit around scrolling the newsfeed, but it, it's easily <laughs> exactly my favorite. <laughs> it's easily my favorite platform to get started on. Yeah. You post content, it's where the majority of, like if you're talking about volume, the most amount of people on any app are on Facebook, yeah. right? Even to this day, people who don't use Facebook, their their screen time would show otherwise. Yeah. Everyone is using it in some capacity. It has Messenger. It's great. You can post stories. You can send messages. You can um, post content on your newsfeed. Yeah. And it's relatively easy to get leads because you just add people and you can go into Facebook groups and you can add people. Now, some of you might be saying, well, oh, I just want people to like track me down. And you're like, great, earn that right. But in the beginning, when you're just starting out, you need to you need to pursue the leads to then earn the right to be pursued. Yeah. When it comes to content, uh, let's say people are choosing a platform, yeah. right? I think they need to choose the thing that they're, mo they're best at. I don't I know agree. if- and they, and they can be consistent at. Yeah, exactly. that's where the results come from. So let's talk about that. I think a lot of people are like, I have to write. Yeah. And they hate writing. Yeah. Or they're like, I have to make video and they're terrible on camera. The, the likelihood of you being of you consistently doing something that you hate and you're like really bad at yeah. is very low. Damn, I tell you what, sometimes I see people making videos, I'm like, you've got Stop. a face for radio, baby. Stop making videos. <laughs> I see people write and go, you need to be on video. Yeah, 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 100%. <laughs> right. So it, it's what can you do consistently? Yeah. And then- Because it all works. It all works. Yeah. The, the, I, like, I like the distinction between Facebook and LinkedIn that you have connections. Mm -hmm. Literally on Facebook, it is human to human and have your connection. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, I'll include TikTok. I'm not even on TikTok, I don't understand it. Um, you have followers. 
So on one platform you have connections. Yeah. So you're one step down the down the relationship, you know, hierarchy. On the others you have followers, which is like vague levels of interest that people might pay attention to your stuff or yeah. leave the thumbs down on your YouTube video. But Facebook Facebook and LinkedIn, the mere fact that you can have a connection means that you can get traction faster because you are one step closer to literally developing a relationship and talking to a person. Yeah, it makes sense. Whereas on the other on the other one, they're following you then you need to understand whether you have a connection yes. and you can start a conversation to have that. So you just get traction faster on those platforms because the very nature of the way that you can. A hundred percent. You've got like, you're, you're connecting with John Johnson on Facebook and he has his real photo mm. and he's got pictures of his kids. And then you go on Twitter and you've got surfer guy yeah. 79, uh, you know, <laughs> talking crap and he's got a picture of a cat. Yeah. But uh, like my favorite story around this is to kind of understand the difference in the quality but of the followers. the distinction is like on Facebook, you can never do business with people who have profile pictures of babies, dogs, <laughs> or a sunset. and cars. Yeah, 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 100%. So, but, <laughs> it's never but gonna work. One of my favorite stories to kind of illustrate this point was a girl had 1.5 million TikTok followers. Yes. And she said she was gonna do a meetup in LA. She did a meetup, no one came. Mm. And this is also true of, of Twitter. Like I know plenty of people on Twitter that have more um, followers than they make dollars per month. That's not uncommon. That would be the norm. That's normal. Right? Then for us, we've made millions from thousands of people, not tens of thousands, not hundreds of thousands, single digit thousands. So it's I not haven't to even say, maxed out my Facebook friends. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so I'm in the minority in that. I've only got like two and a half or 3,000 or whatever right. the number is. I love it. It's a killer headline, right? How I made, um, but anyway. So, so it, all the all that they all work, but I do think they have really obvious pros and cons. Like that's why yeah. I do like um, Facebook over TikTok. Yeah, it's not that it can't work. I had someone reach out to me the other day. He helped people get clients with TikTok. He had a million followers. He was broke. Yeah, right. So it's just different platforms. Yeah. One of the things that I've become really passionate about, and I think we would be really similar to this, is your platforms are Facebook and, and email. Yeah not just because email is a really cool platform, but there's just a distinct, um, well, tell, tell me really quickly to help it flesh out the, the kind of your thinking behind it of the relationship you feel you have with yeah. people who read your newsletter yeah. or your kind of daily email. So don't want to get like too scientific, but different, different platforms and different communication channels have different levels of entropy. So if you're posting something on Instagram, the life cycle of that is 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Literally, it's like it's there and pretty much gone. Even if it's in the feed or those things, very few things have any life cycle past mm -hmm. a few days. At, at the other end of the social spectrum is YouTube. We can watch YouTube videos from five, six, 10 years ago and they're still great. So they have, low, they have just low levels of decay. There's still assets there. Email is a, is a unique channel because it's got pretty low levels of like, I have people responding today to emails I sent two weeks ago. So there's a, like a, there's a low level of entropy that doesn't, every email adds something to the communication channel. Yep. It's one of the last private, like understanding privacy and the private channels that if I send you an email, you know that you're the only person who's reading it. Mm -hmm. Whereas in social, we've got this kind of, even though the algorithms, even though the algorithms are, are tuned to us, we're like, everybody's seeing it. Yep. So email's got a personal thing. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the third thing with email is that you own it. Yeah. Own <laughs> Which is the unique thing. You, I mean, these days that's less true because people are being deplatformed and those kind of things. Yeah. But you know, largely you own the list 
you should back it but up. If, but if you have somehow been deplatformed from email, you've done something really <laughs> yeah, wrong. Yeah, you're, you're really yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. on a list somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, so why I brought that up is because my preferred is like Facebook and YouTube. Yeah. For for me personally. Yeah. And why I like that is because even though you can write long on Facebook, it just it's a clunkier platform. Yeah. Like the scroll, like you write. 500 words on Facebook. It's just harder to navigate. There's ads vying for your attention. And so the pairing of kind of thinking short form and long form, Facebook is amazing for awareness, growing your audience engagement, having a long form platform for depth, connection, trust, like that real sense of personal connection is amazing. And so when I started YouTube uh, five months ago, firstly, I knew I should have started it five years ago. That was literally plan number one. And then I joined Sam Marvin's program. He's like, content stupid, just run ads. And I was like, power to the people. And so I did that. Um, and then I circled back to the start of the year and I was like, I'm going to do this. And my business has just gone like this yeah. since I started uh, creating long form content. Yeah. And it's because people binge it. Like, so firstly, this is going to be two hours by the time we're done. Easy. There will be some diehards still listening. There will also be some diehards who listen to the first one. There will also be some diehards that go straight from this one into another one right? I'm a high YouTube consumer. If I have high screen time, it's mainly me listening to stuff on YouTube. And so having something that people can go really deep with you on is a really powerful thing to do. The problem with most people is they post lots of content and they wonder why with all of their consistency, why there's not this audience being built. Even if it's building wide, it's not going deep because you haven't given them anything to really latch onto. So this is why Twitter you have, I mean, when I see the amount of posts that tweet, like Twitter people have uh, done, because it's got the little metric, they've got like 100,000 followers and they've tweeted 100,000 times. I'm like, my, my brain explodes. I may, have done, I may have done a thousand posts on yeah. Facebook. I have no idea. Yeah. But, it, but my point being, you have to follow someone on Twitter for so long to ever consider giving them $5,000, yeah. right? And so I really like this peering. And so however people do it, I think whether they do one platform and they post short things and then they do long videos, yeah. like X, Twitter, we've been calling it Twitter this whole time. That's what we're, so, we're like so old right now. So <laughs> X, baby. It's going to date this content really right. quick. So, so you, I think you can have <laughs> the same effect if you just drop podcasts and, and YouTube and things like that, yeah. or like long form on Facebook. The point is you should have content consistently, yes. right? That's short, medium, long. Right, you can that post people stories. People can access easily yes. to binge. Yes, because this characteristic of binging is super interesting to yep. me, and I've got a very poorly defined, like, concept around total attention time. Because when I was doing sales calls, I always used to hear this thing, of like, just before someone would would jump on a call, they're like, "Oh, yesterday I I I binged your content." Right, and then they they turn up the next day and buy stuff. Right, yep. and I've got this theory of total attention time that if there is a if there's a um, a lump of time that people spend with you intensely over a period of time, and that's condensed, like they 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 watch they watch you every day for seven days, mm-hmm. the the likelihood then that they're going to become a client or reach out to you or take an action on that is like multiple times of someone who's watched exactly the same content over twelve months. Yeah, and you need somewhere that allows that total attention time. Like YouTube allows it, it allows people to binge on your stuff mm. email does as well because people can actually you know sort and categorize things and, and look for them the other social platforms less so because of algorithms and it you can have profiles and those kind of things but it's not natural for people to go and click on someone's profile and read everything necessarily they did yeah. and that's why facebook groups work really well because mm-hmm. it allows people to go to one place and consume stuff in a really convenient way yeah so you need a place where you're going to make consistently but i think you also need a place where people can binge binge your stuff 
and go deep on it mm -hmm. before they actually make the decision because most sales happen before the sale has taken place, right? Yep. So people are posting, they've picked a platform. They should be posting consistently. I would say every day and whether people say that, is that five days or seven days? The answer is yes, right? <laughs> Pick one. Um, short, medium, long, right? So I post on my stories every day. Sometimes it's absolutely nothing. Sometimes it's client testimonials. Sometimes it's linking to a training. I post on the news feed when I feel like it. And then I do, right now we're at four YouTube videos a week, but that's only one, mm. me actually sitting down and mm. creating a video. The other three are recordings of calls and things like that. Mm. So I think whether you just start with one, and I think the easiest place to start, honestly, for most people is like a podcast. Like if yeah. they just have conversations in person or virtually, some people aren't ready to look at a camera and hold people's attention for 10, 15, 20 yeah. minutes on a topic, which yeah. is fine. Have conversations with people you find fascinating. Uh, just make sure that there's a conversation happening and not an interview because yeah. then the person that, is, that your audience member is listening yeah. is getting to know the other person and still has no idea who you are. Yeah. But I think short, medium, long, on a very practical note, I'll share this, you can add anything. Uh, there's four types of content that I've found in terms of like main piece of content, teach, show, share, give. Teach what you know, um, share who you are, show client results and kind of how, how what you do works. Give people opportunities yeah. to take next steps with you. Give yeah. away assets, who wants this, yeah. comment below, post on the stories, send me a DM, yeah. and then regular calls to action that could be weekly in small doses, yeah. as in like if you wanna find out more information about this, or monthly or cyclical, like six to eight weeks around cash campaigns, doors closing, stuff like that. That's how I see it from a yeah. practical perspective. Anything you wanna add on that? Yeah, I've got the three Ps, which is proof, problem, and philosophy. Right. So the proof is like client results, and I like to give client results of insight, like what step, I, I think testimonials are bullshit personally, because I don't, people don't pay attention to them, and people, they're always crafted in a way to manipulate somebody, yeah. like lots of marketing. I've got this like case study format which says, here's Bob and he made 100 grand and these are the three steps he took to do it. And I find that it replicates much better for people to go, that could be me mm -hmm. and the proof factor. Philosophy is like, who are you? What do you believe? Well, you know, what's your worldview and those things? And occasionally being pretty um, polarizing in there. Like mm -hmm. state what you believe uh, nowadays in the safest possible way. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not everything you believe, but yeah. you know, the, the things that are that definitely digestible. Uh, and then problem, which is, you know, the functional solving of the of the pains that people are in in front of them and like giving them assets to do it or, yep. or solving a problem with them. So let's talk about how to stand out. Yeah. So you're creating content, short, medium, long, right? Stuff that disappears in a day, stuff that has some kind of lasting effect and stuff that people can binge. They've got the frameworks, proof, philosophy. What was the third one? Uh, problem. Problem, perfect. Yeah. How do people stand out? Yeah. Because they can listen to everything we're talking about. They're like, I started the podcast and it's not working. Um, I think it's what's really important to, to note for anyone who stumbled on this video. hour on this. I know. Because this is where it gets into the real nuance of the person. Exactly. So people who might have stumbled onto this need to know neither of us sell with sales calls. Yeah. So the cheapest thing I sell is 18 grand. I think yours is probably similar. Yeah. Um, and it happens without a sales call. And these yeah. aren't old leads. These aren't people that have followed me for five years. Some of these people are like five days into my world, but yeah. they've done the total attention time. They've gone deep and et cetera. Yeah. The key that, like, I'll, I'll just mention some of the feedback that I get as to why people work with me is, um, and I never used to get this feedback. This is all this year when I really focused in on it. So one of the things I, I hear a lot is, um, I don't really know wh why you're standing out. Like, I've been really loving your content, mm. but I feel like there's something different about your energy, right? And th this can come down to silly things like we joked earlier uh, a few months ago, earlier this year about me buying chickens. 
And so I'm living here in Bali. We live a very similar life, but I have chickens and you don't. That actually makes us different people yeah. to other people's perception. As only a certain type of person uh, has chickens. You've got a dog, but if you had a cat, you'd be a certain type of person that if you shared that online, it would be a differentiator, right? If you were the exact same person, but your hair was blue, like if you had like bleached blue hair, the perception of who you are would change. You could be saying the same things, but people perceive you in a different way. So one of the mistakes that people make is they try and pretend to be someone they're not. So they go, oh, Dan's got chickens. I'm going to buy a chicken and I'm going to post a photo online. <laughs> and that's a stupid example of things people do all the time. They get the Miami penthouse. They get the Rolex. They're having cigars with the boys. They're taking photos, whatever it might be. They see what someone else has done and they replicate it. But the yeah. problem is it, it's what, uh, what works is authenticity. Yeah. So talk to us about like how people can stand out more, not just through being better or smarter, but being more of themselves. The, the old topic of like being yourself is like the infinite, the infinite game, right? Yeah, it's Pandora's box. And yeah, like but my my personal experience is the more that I am true to myself in terms of sharing what I'm going to do and what I've done before and what I'm doing now, the more attractive that is. And <clears throat> the biggest, the biggest influx, if you like, of attention that I've got this year is when in July I posted my plan to get to 3 million bucks. And then 52 days later... Um, 3 million a year. Just 3 million a year. And 52 days later, I posted my progress to the plan when I had 100K yep. monthly recurring revenue. And then I have updated that twice since. Yep. There is a huge dearth of leaders in the world. A dearth? A, an absence... <laughs> There's fuck all leaders in the world and people want something to follow, right? Yeah. So in your in your you have you haven't crafted an identity. You didn't get the chickens to look good on the internet. You got the chickens because you like animals, right? And people are like, I admire Dan because he's doing what he wants to do. Bro, it's killing me. I've got one disabled chicken that everyone's you telling me bring to it kill. with you like, we're it's not, at our new can, house we it, can't talk about the chickens <laughs> you've left but no I'm not playing a character that pretends to like no, chickens no it's, it's just they're real chickens I've seen them yeah. <laughs> I picked them up yeah. um, but there's the, the to me it's like how do you stand out you be a leader right? and for me I did it a different way which is like this is what I'm going to do Mm -hmm. And then I did it, yep. which like, if you think about it, is extremely rare yeah. in, in the world today. I said, this is what I'm going to do. This is my update against that. And this is what, this is what I'm doing next. And yeah. everyone goes, that's so cool. Yeah. That's amazing. I now trust you more than I did before yeah. because they're like, and I said, this is what, and I there were two things on there that I'm not doing and I didn't do. And I'm like, this is why I changed my mind on these things because yeah. I got, I was in the trenches and I did it yeah. and I changed my mind on a couple of things. That was my way. Mm -hmm. And in the, in the course, I've been very transparent about why mm -hmm. I did that. And you've been very transparent about why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. And to me that like, it all comes back to that. Yeah. Why are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> because without a reason why people have no resonance with the reason if yeah. if your reason why of buying a miami penthouse and those things are like really strong and valid yeah. to you and they're established to you people will follow along with that if your reason why is like because the other people did it they won't yeah so exactly the same people can take exactly the same actions mm -hmm. but if the reason why is absent in a, in a true sense 
then everybody knows it. Yeah. And if you treat your audience like fools or the treat, treat people like fools who are watching and going, I'm just doing this because everyone else is doing it, they don't pay attention. What's well, congruence, right? That's all we're yeah. looking for. That's what we're so sensitive to as human beings. So finely tuned bullshit detectors. Yeah, well, I, I was- like, I'm, So finely tuned. I'm in the process of moving doctors right now. And so I've been dealing with like uh, thyroid stuff mm. and I'm trying to find like this guy. And I sent, I sent him uh, to a friend and I was like, do you know anything about this guy? And he's like, I know almost nothing, but the stuff that I've seen, I believe he really believes it. And I just think he has awesome energy and just intuitively it feels like the right move for you. And I was like, that's really interesting. Yeah. And then we went on this rant of talking about energy and like picking people's up, uh, uh, picking uh, up people's intention and congruence and yeah. authenticity. And so if, before anyone thinks that their job now, if they're a fitness coach, is to post their business plan to Facebook of I'm, I'm at 10K a month and I want to get to 30K a month and the people who, the single mums who want to lose weight that they say clientele don't, don't care. What you're really talking about is also motivation and why and authenticity and congruence. Because one of the clients that I work with uh, works with people in like, I can't remember what the language is, but it's basically like you're in physical pain, but it's neurological, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. it's like somatic pain relief or mm -hmm. something like that. And he is so passionate about what he does because he helped his mum heal chronic pain through kind of his process. And so that's his whole motivation. I've got, I have worked with someone else before who was a weight loss coach who um, helped his mum lose 150 pounds mm. and like saved mm. her life. And so there's that particular piece mm. that I think is really key, which is that like, if you're just showing up as someone on the internet trying to sell something, um, you lose the ability to connect with people at a deep level because people want to know why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Let's talk about some practicals around tone Mm -hmm. and kind of personality. So yeah. you, I was showing you my AI bot before, the, the Dan AI. Yeah. And I'm so excited to roll out to clients. It's, it's very it's, cool. It's hundreds of hours of my, it's been trained on hundreds of hours of my content. Yeah. But what it's missing is tone. So I'm like almost happy with it. Like it says stuff that I wish I would say, or I did say once upon a time that I forgot, right? But it's missing tone. And so it doesn't sound like me. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I found that really interesting when I first started uh, on the online space was LinkedIn, especially, was this hilarious place where people pretended to be someone they weren't. Yeah. And so you would look at their profile and it was like advisor, investor, five times founder. And then you do a sales call. And they're MBA like, dot, dot, dot. They're like, yeah, I'm working part time at a tire shop. And you're like, <laughs> what's going on? That's an extreme example of something that people do is that I find like I hang out with some people and I'm like surprised at how much I like them or vice versa and because the version of who they are online and the version of who they are in real life, yeah. the real them, is there's this huge disconnect. Now, obviously there's like levels of people overthinking things, yeah. imposter syndrome, what will people think of me? But talk to me about like how you think about tone because I think neither of us take each other uh, or ourselves very seriously. Yeah. We're constantly talking crap and not in just a silly way, but just like it, we're, not, we're not afraid to point fun at ourselves. We yeah. laugh at each other. Like talk, talk to me about kind of how tone plays into um, standing out online. I think that it, 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 it all roads lead back to that like self-esteem and that comfort thing as well. Like the, I'm pretty dry, right? And I'm right like that, yeah. and I speak like that, and I am like that. Right. Your your online content and your personality, they're the same thing. Right. My online content and my personality, they're pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Right. So I think it's like, I hate that authenticity word. Yeah. But I think I think it's like turning up as yourself unapologetically, and 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 speaking the, speaking through, 
but speaking the way that you speak. Yeah. Because people again have that that desperation to truly see somebody. Yeah. And I and it's interesting. A client was messaging messaging me today saying, "I've got a referral for you," and I was like, "Okay, cool." And and she shared a screenshot, and it was someone noticing a shift in her and her content, and she said like. I can finally see you and it's so good and I've known you and she's like you must be working with James yeah <laughs> because they you know the, the in the in the same world but it's like the tone is I'm finally because I know you I can finally see you mm-hmm. and I think we we're desperate as humans we're desperate to connect with people and we're desperate to truly see and not be deceived so when when you truly just turn up in the way that you want to turn up as yeah then that comes through all these different channels. That comes through in video, that comes through in content, that comes through in text. Yeah. And if you turn up as yourself, then you can't be com- you can't be competed with. Yeah. Right. And I think this is a on, a on a really practical note, it also takes practice. So it's like, how do you find your voice? You just speak a lot and write a lot. Yeah, and rant, then over man. time you figure that out. Because I think um, it's like with appointment setting, right? Mm. And I don't really do much of that these days, but I respond to messages. And one of the things that I find is that people are happy to have a conversation in real life and then it's like they fumble the ball in the DMs because they're like, this person said this, but if I say this, then what are they going to say? Well, I lose the sale and, and it's what, just overthinking. What do, I, what do I say to get the sale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, be curious about where they are. I know. Be like, curious like, about like where they want to go. in real go. life. Yeah. Because these people what would sometimes nail it. Oh, were you working on that? Yeah. It's like- the best sell by chat script is curiosity of like being 100%. interested in somebody. <laughs> yeah, but, but my point here is that people just have to do it. Like, so part of what we're saying is that some people are stuck being inauthentic because they're not making the decision to go all in on them. Yeah. And some people are three pieces of content in. Yeah. The answer is a thousand more, Yeah. right? To really find your full expression. Like for me, I find that I have a sense of humor off stage in my real life. And the moment I tried to bring that on stage in the early days, I was trying to write jokes. The problem was not my type of humor, right? So now when I'm funny, it's always exactly the same as I am in real life, which is in the moment, Yeah. right? Yeah. And so it's just through the repetitions and the practice that I think uh, people need to commit to in order to get to that place of, like it, as funny as it sounds, it takes practice to be yourself. It really does. And also if people really want it, They've got to understand whether the trade-offs are worth it. Mm-hmm. That I, I hear people say a lot, like, I want to have a coaching or consulting business, but I don't want to put myself out there. Mm-hmm. The only alternative path to that is lots of money for ads. Right. So you either use the energy of connection or use the energy of money. Mm-hmm. Like, both of them put you out there. Right. Both of them put messages that resonate with people that they respond to that come towards you. Mm-hmm. So if you'd rather do the path of you know, doing the reps and going organic and, um, you know, publishing content, then you've got to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. If you'd rather do the path of getting ads and putting people through funnels and nurturing them and taking the time to do that, then you've got to put money in. Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's not a third path. Yeah. So make the choice. So let's talk about team. So firstly, team is a choose your own adventure and that if you sell via calls yep. versus DMs, if you do all the coaching yourself or you get a coach, that's a variable, right? I would say we'd both agree that you should get a virtual assistant yep. ASAP. Yep. If you don't have an assistant, you are an assistant, yep. as our friend Tony Fraser Jones once told me. Yep. Right. So I think like day, day one, you could find 30 minutes a day of admin to get in a virtual assistant. Yep. Where do you see the pressure come on the most for people typically when they're scaling? 
is it is it firstly on the sales side or the coaching side? Yeah, so the two the two gaps you see come up first are a skills gap, mm-hmm. which is like I've run out of ways, I've run out of knowledge or ability to do this, so I need to go and find somebody to do it, mm-hmm. or a time, or a time one. So that generally, when people are at the beginning, one or both both of those show up, mm-hmm. and that that's that's pretty challenging to kind of navigate. But the first, I, I agree, the first hire a VA, but then the next hire should be where is the bottleneck? Right, like. Do this you is the a- key way to think about it, people. It's not just like, <laughs> oh, the second hire is always this person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's the perfect dog chart. The, the where is the bottleneck and where is the bottleneck where, that you can step out of and you know and solve the bottleneck through the process of a human or contracting someone. Mm-hmm. So is the bottleneck at the front with leads and sales? Or the, sorry, is it at the front with, with leads? Is it in the middle with sales? Or is it at the end with delivery? Right. And then it's like, do you hire a coach or a concierge? You know? You've got a couple of choices there. Mm-hmm. Do you hire a salesperson, a closer to do more to do more reps, or do you hire someone to you know get in the DMs, run leads, run funnels, and, and actually get leads and convert them into prospects? Yeah. So it's like it's a bottleneck analysis as the the first major hire, if you like, because mm-hmm. the virtual assistant's relatively easy to find. You might go through two or three, yep. but um, the biggest thing I see with virtual assistants is they're relatively inexpensive in the world that we're in, yep. and people are like. I don't have enough work for them to do. And you're like, like you said, the average virtual assistant, 30 minutes an hour a day, you're paying them to sit around for six or seven hours a day if they're full-time dedicated to you. Yeah. But the relative cost of that at, you know, 20 to 30 bucks a day yeah. is very, very low. Yeah. So at the beginning, people need to accept that this is someone sitting on the bench and they're underutilizing them but you utilize them in the future, but your 30 minutes is worth more than their whole daily. Yeah. Day also selling. delegation is a muscle. Yeah. You build it That's up. It's another time. skill. Yeah. Everything's a skill. Oh man. When I first got started with a virtual assistant, I would be doing things that the virtual assistant should be doing even when I had one because I kept forgetting that I could delegate it. Yeah. Now I got, I, w- I realized two platforms this morning had my old profile pictures. Hmm. I didn't log in and change them. It was a voice message. Hey, can you change my uh, school community thing and my Calendly yeah. profile photos to the Facebook one? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Like now it's just like a muscle. Yeah. So um, a really helpful framework that I remember learning when I was hiring this and building this stupidly big team was from Ari Mizell. Hmm. And uh, do you know Ari's story? No. So Ari runs this, uh, I don't know what he does now, but he used to run something called the replaceable founder mm. and his story was he built this business and then he got Crohn's disease and it got only work one hour a day. So it became like efficiency productivity machine. When you're hiring, let's say you figure out the bottleneck, right? So like you look at appointments hitting, you're spending too many times and it's too much time in the DMs. You go through this process called OAO, optimize, automate, outsource, right? So the key is you optimize first, you go, is this thing that I'm doing, yeah. is it important? Should it be getting done? Um, you know, is this a later thing? Is this now thing? All that kind of stuff. You filter it through. Um, is there a better way that I can be doing this to make it just as impactful and less time? All of that kind of stuff. Automate. Or well, this is a freaking super important question now in the age of AI, because now you're having things like copywriting and video editing and all of those things. Where it, previously it was like I need videos edited, post a job. Now yep. it's like there is an AI for that that can take your podcast and yep. edit it up, and then outsource. And the the point being. Your first like response to overwork or overwhelm should not be, I'll go hire someone. If you're going to hire someone, it should be this refined, focused, super crystal clear role. 
Yeah. Your job is this. This is how many hours I think it's going to be. And I think the mistake that I've made is right now I'm making more profit with a team of two than when I had a team of 13. Yeah. And so the idea of you just keep adding people in and we'll figure it out on the way or hiring for growth, right? Yeah. Is typically a stupid model when you actually figure out what the bottleneck is, figure out is it actually a bottleneck at all or are you just going through a busy week? And then go through OAR. O I think is really, really key. So right now, do you have any team at all? One. One. Yeah. Alex. VA, right? All round VA, super, superstar. Yep. Cool. Right now I have a VA yep. and a content guy. What's up? Showed up. Um, How you doing? And, uh, and I'm going to be hiring more people soon because yep. we're working with an agency. We're really scaling up content. Um, but the point is, is that like, I wouldn't even need Dylan to stay where I am. Like if I want to stay where I am, I could be right there with a VA sure. as well. But the point is, is that there's, <laughs> <laughs> the, the point is, is that there's no set team to get to hundred K a month because it depends on your model. Yeah. Depends on like, I don't run any ads right now. Yeah. Right. So, so it's also not like, should I run ads to get to hundred K a month? It's like, yeah. what's the bottleneck? Yeah. Right. And so I think team is much the same. The only non-negotiable for me is get an assistant because you should not be adding people on Facebook or responding to a support request or following up a billing, like a failed payment. Payment. Mm. Those are all the things that are no-brainers for me. Mm. Everything else is up for grabs. Yeah. Yeah. I have no doubt I could make more money today if I hired an appointment setter and a closer. I'm unwilling to do that yeah, because I have no appetite for that that doesn't yeah. align with my values. Um, I know that if I hired a full-time coach, um, I could get more clients that yeah. way because people love one-to-one coaching. I'm just unwilling to do that. Yeah. So it's a question of values when someone's scaling as well. When it's, it's less about the, the five-person team that is the 100K a month blueprint, yeah. and it's more about what are your values, what are you trying to build, how many hours, what does it look like, what are you unwilling to do, what are you willing to do, and then what are your constraints, and then based on that, yeah. hiring. The last thing I want to talk about as we wrap up is when you think about going from 10K a month to 100K a month, mm. what are the biggest skill leaps and mindset shifts people like need to experience in order to go from six figures to seven figures? <laughs> the biggest skill leap is, is generally around offer making and articulation, which is, which is an, the, the skill of empathy of putting themselves into the marketplace because at the moment they're selling something that people kind of like, but if they kind of like their market, then they get right in there. And, and so the biggest thing is empathy. The second, the second piece of mindset can be largely solved by proximity. Like if you're going, if you're going these days on a journey that you've never gone before, and you're not in an environment with people who have either done that journey or are on it with you, then you're a fool. Because we can buy that we can buy the speed bumps even free like this. Mm -hmm. Like we can buy ways over the speed bumps that that far exceed the value of our that the the outputs we get far exceed the value of the inputs. So I think mindset is solved just by proximity because it changes the belief profile. Because often when you're, if you're starting out from a from a, a leap from ten to hundred k, you don't actually believe you can get to hundred k. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you just think you can, and you haven't gone to like I will. Yeah. And when you have the I will piece, you can get that through going in a community and you walk around and you go to people and you're like, they're not any smarter than me. <laughs> they're not even better than I am. And then you're getting in there and you're like, okay, the mindset shifts by being around people who are doing it and have a, have a higher belief like level than you. Mm. Mindset doesn't change in isolation. You, you know, yeah. you can't just wish Stimuli. your way to, I'm going to do this, I'm mm -hmm. going to do this, I'm going to do this. You can brute force it, but 
you will exhaust yourself along the journey. Whereas if you just get proximity, yep. then it changes your mindset because it changes your belief patterns. Yeah. I find the only way to really shift beliefs is to borrow better ones. Like, like it's, it's exactly either through education, does, right? environment, or um, our relationships. Yeah. And so I, I think like the thing that we have to say on this to anyone who's listening now to help them the most is you and I wouldn't be where we are without mentorship courses, yeah. being sponges. We would say that because we sell that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, would, I would say it to the extent <laughs> of like mentorship changed my life pre-business. Like when I think back to when I was 10, 11, 12 and wildly lost yeah. as, as a guy in a really kind of crazy family, it was the 18-year-old, 19-year-old guys that um, were helping me stay on the track. Yeah. And so I don't sell mentorship now because it makes money. I sell it because I believe in it, right? And you do too. Exactly. And I think there's something to be said about the fact that I think people should be self-responsible. They shouldn't be looking for... Uh, Co coaches as partners, right? Meaning like we're looking for someone to become codependent with us and jump in the trenches and guarantee us results. I think that's where we lose our power. That's where we get stuck and we get disappointed is because we're looking for someone to step in yeah. and say, your problems are now my problems. Yeah. That's not how it works. But I think we also make a huge mistake where we think like we should be a lone wolf or we're, or then we're signing up with a mentor, but then we're filtering everything they say through like us reinventing and innovating everything. And I think there's just something to be said about following someone's advice and listening to it and doing it, not blindly, but but without so many doubts and cynicism and skepticism. You know, the amount of people that are willing to pay for advice they're not willing to take is wild. It's it's crazy. It's it, I see the same. I see my role as similar to I see my role with my kids. Yeah. Right. My kids don't listen to a single word I say, mm. but they model pretty much everything I do. Yeah. So I'm either going to be a role model or I'm going to be someone whose actions are completely disconnected from their words. And mm -hmm. many parents are, right? They're like, get off your phone, kids, as they're glued to the thing. Yeah. And and I and I see the same role that we have with both the people that we mentor, but also our mentors too. That the proximity of those things is modeled. Mm -hmm. And we learn much more by osmosis of modeling than we do by someone telling us what to you know what to do yep. and like candidly like sitting around this table with us and being around us is a hell of a lot better than than watching on youtube but that's a great proxy for it it's a great yeah. it's a great replacement for it until the people on the other side of this can do that so the the proximity and being around people is absolutely crucial mm -hmm. i mean we joke about our similar business models and and those kind of things but we've also kept each other on paths and and given each other gifts back and forth of like oh, yeah. those kind of things just through proximity of those things i think it's like hilarious and, and, and i and i can't even name you've you've you, you named a couple of moments and you said like question that and i was like oh yeah you're right that's just stupid like shit but most of the time it's just purely through osmosis by oh, yeah. by us being in proximity yeah yeah if people didn't know how close we were they would think that we're just two dudes just yeah. copying each other's things but actually what's happening is we are sharing resources and sharing ideas. Mm. So we're mentoring each other. But most like, of it's unconscious. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but, but though in saying that, the amount of times that we've had conversations where we challenged it, I remember coming to you end of last year, I started this year, and I was like, I think I'm gonna let my team go, blah, 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 feeling stressed, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, I've been waiting for this conversation. And that's where I think like um, people, like it's an interesting thing. The last thing I'll say on this is um, people should obviously lean into the level of access they can afford with the yeah. right people. Yeah. There are people that mentor me that I've never met that don't know yeah. I exist, Beautiful. like Brooke Castillo, yeah. right? I would pay for time with her though. I probably couldn't afford it now. She's probably like, 
bazillion dollars. Yeah. I have felt mentored by her yeah. and she has shifted my thinking through her content. Yeah. But people should pay for the level of access that they can afford. It's yeah, a good way of saying Because it. when you are in proximity with someone, there is something so much more powerful than being on the outskirts of like, you know, buying a course is not the same as having a coffee, even though the course might have more information than the coffee ever will. Yeah. Proximity, right? We used to say in like church culture with like leadership, mm. more is caught than taught. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's like, yes, you can sit down and take the notes, but sometimes it's just in and around being in someone's environment and someone's proximity or someone's yeah. community. Just paying for that level of access that you can afford is one of the fastest shortcuts. Last thing I'm going to say on mind sh uh, mindset and mind shifting is you want to think about it like hiring, which is solve for the bottleneck. Yeah. You don't need, like, I don't need motivation. So like I binged Grant Cardone and Ed Milet and Lewis Howes and all those guys when I was getting started because I need motivation. I need mm -hmm. like the you can do it. I'm good, man. I yeah. feel amazing. I feel fired up. I feel full of vision. So I'm not binging personal development stuff these days. And that's not to say I won't again. Yeah, the season. But yeah. it's knowing what I need in the specific season and then thinking about it like a medicine cabinet, right? Yeah. Not just going, I should be reading a book a week. Why? Yeah. What am I reading on? Like, yeah. what, what is this about? Yeah. So people becoming self-aware enough to know like, what's the deficit? Is the deficit in my soul? Is it in my emotions and my character traits? Is it in my mindset? Or is it in my business skills? And solving for those skills through getting the right mentorship or exposure to education environments is the real unlock to scaling really fast. Definitely. Yeah, that was real right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time, dude. You, um, this is always a joy. And we've been going for... Two hours and ten minutes, I think. Oh my, I'm going to be late to Pilates. I'm I'm about to wet my pants. So <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you, brother. I uh, love you mate. so much, and Catch I love doing this journey with you. Oh, that that was way too. That was way wider yeah. than I thought. That's <laughs> it's the wide angle. All right, thanks, man. That's right. Thanks for listening to another episode of Scale School. I hope you found something valuable in today's episode. If you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and do that so you can be notified every time we drop future episodes. And if you and I have not already connected, feel free to track me down on any one of the social media platforms. My big head and smiling face are no doubt going to be there. And you can just search my name, Dan Bolton, and we can connect there. But thank you again for tuning in, and I'll see you in a future episode.